This is HPR episode 1964 entitled HPR New Year's Show Episode 4. It is hosted by HPR volunteers and is about 185 minutes long. The summary is Cheap Computers, Arm, Audiobook Club, Lights, Living, Orlando, Etching, Pronunciation, Pranks. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. For you gentlemen who don't recognize Pokey, the original Hacker Public Radio New Year's Eve show was his concept, what, five years ago? Uh, I almost forgot about that. Sorry, I no, seriously though, I didn't mean to change the subject. That's why I was typing it instead of piping up and saying. So who's this Pokey guy anyway? Yeah, I, I'm not sure who he is either. What's up, dude? Long time to see. Yeah, how you been? Last time I heard, uh, or we spoke anyway, handsome pirate, you were um, you were making headway over at uh, Red Hat. H- how's that going? No longer there. I'm kind of bouncing around now. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let's they... start with that. Did know who I am? No, no, no. I wasn't. <laughs> Are you? Is it a good bounce, handsome pirate? It's been an adventure for sure. Yeah, adventures are great when you have uh, you know a home base to return to they're not always awesome when your adventure is finding a home base though guys it's just about to be New Year's in New York and Boston on the east coast of the US yeah and right here yes and down here down south Robbins Air Force Base Warner Robbins Georgia Happy New Year they're already blowing the fireworks oh they've been blowing fireworks here for hours you guys aren't dropping bombs on anybody, are you? No bombs, no bombs. That everybody in town is former military. Jeez! I told yeah, I y'all going to be better. artillery. What kind of artillery you got? That didn't sound like fireworks through the window. That sounded like the video of the kid with the sledgehammer and the the uh, fireworks taped to the front of it. That sounded like a fifty cal to me. One five five. Well, Happy New Year. It just turned, uh, you know, zero o'clock. Yep, zero's all o'clock. Uh, 10 5 a.m. here, actually. Happy 2015 in the first part of the United States to, uh, no, Happy 2016, I'm sorry. Yep, it's 2016 here. Wow. Don't worry, it'll be 2015 for the next week or so until you get used to 2016. Yeah, if you still yeah, write you re- checks, it sure will. So, Handsome Pirate, is it the uh, year of the Linux desktop? Oh, well, on my systems it is. That's no joke. That's good enough for me. Is it the year of 
Yeah, well, let's see, the Firefox firing is well, not bothering that Mozilla anymore. They are having problems. Sam Tyson is just Samson's plaything or whatever, so any really Linux-based phone that we have that has any potential of sort of going anywhere, if we're talking kind of mainstream or not, fourth player, if you like, whatever, probably do a brand new phone. The question is, is it going to have the conversions this year? Is it going to be good enough? Are, are there suddenly going to be more apps in the App Store and things like that? But otherwise, it's quite nice already, to be honest. Which app store is that, Seb? I, I missed what you said. The Ubuntu thing, the Ubuntu Touch, the app store, I mean, it lacks apps at the moment, but it has some stuff. And the Ubuntu thing is quite nice, actually, already, but the convergence is what everyone's waiting for. Really? The the Linux phone is going to be the Ubuntu phone? That's, like, everybody's happy with that? Everybody thought Android's not good enough, we want better, and... It got to Ubuntu, Ubuntu and everybody says, like yeah, yeah, that's what we want. No, I mean like a fourth player. So let's say you've got iPhone, Android, Windows phone just about, okay? Maybe there's a room just about for a fourth player. That could be a Ubuntu phone because the other Linux phones aren't really going to be it, I don't think. I don't buy well, it. It's it's funny sorry. This, yeah, it's I got I to disagree. I'm going to disagree completely and say that this just whole discussion started with Linux on the desktop. Well, I'm sorry to tell you guys, but 2014 and 2015 were the year of Linux on the desktop in the form of a desktop computer, okay, well, a laptop close enough with a Linux kernel and a proprietary user land and everything else in the form of a Chromebook. And this year, 2015, well, last year now, that has been a massively growing especially in the education sector and uh, you know that this has been the year of linux on the desktop albeit not as we envisaged i'll disagree with that i've got to disagree with you there i'm in the market right now for a, a laptop computer that will run linux and it's never been more difficult yeah gnu slash linux you're talking about gnu slash linux not Linux. You see, Linux kernel has been has been doing well, but you're talking about GNU slash Linux. <laughs> doing that one as well. Yeah, or if you like, it's GNU slash Linux. Yes, I, I, I agree with that as well. But um, with the, it's hard to find a Linux computer. The well, there are there are Linux computers. There's Entro around the UK more recently. There's into reason and system 76 in America, but thing is, they're, all, they're quite pricey, those computers really, compared to if you even if you buy some of the specs with Windows pre installed. So, yeah, that's not much good, really. Absolutely, I can. Well, first of all, absolutely, GNU slash Linux. I'm six peers in, so I'm going to abbreviate it to Linux from here on in. You guys know what I'm talking about, but also. I can go buy a Windows laptop for 200 to 250 bucks at Walmart. But will it run Linux? GNU slash Linux? Probably not. Probably not right out of the box. It's probably going to have issues. And they're crazy issues that I didn't seem to used to have before. Um, yes, I can go buy a System76 or as a reason. But those seem to start around twelve hundred bucks, not two hundred bucks. So there's a huge 
difference there, and that's a problem. And I mean, I've been very, very depressed for the the last I don't know year or two. Anytime I think about Linux, because to me, uh, you know, the the year of the Linux desktop, I don't know, man. It feels like Linux is dead, and it's that upsets me terribly because I cannot find. I can't go out like a, a friend of mine wants a laptop and he wants it to run Linux and he wants me to be in charge of that. I cannot go out and spend his money on a laptop and hand it to him and say, this is the Linux laptop. Not without spending a fortune, 1200 bucks. He just wants to surf the internet. That's that's not fair to him, and it's not fair to me. Yeah, I think that's an issue right there. I looked at, I looked at Android and thought, yes, this, this is good, this is good. These laptops are good for what you get. Um, but then it's like, hang on a minute. It's a lot more expensive than if I had bought a sewing machine Windows based off like I put Linux on myself. Um, we used to have a, a, a really good, um, I think it was a fire, American Firework with Pokey talking to that. It sounded really good on the um, <laughs> wired anyway. Yeah, but look, there's this old question. What, what price can you put on Freedom? And the answer is about 1200 bucks. It's as simple as that. That's the price that Freedom costs you. My buddy does not want a laptop to be free. He, 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 he does not care about software freedom. He wants a laptop that runs Linux because he understands that Windows is bullshit and he understands that I will support a Windows laptop for him, but I will not do the same with the Windows. So it's not software freedom he's interested in and it's not a $1,200 price tag he's interested in. What he wants is a computer that works. What's that worth? You're you're scaring me some, Pokey, because I haven't found a computer in you know nearly ten years that I can't just slap Linux on and it just it just works. What's with these new computers? I mean, if I had two hundred dollars to spend on a laptop, first I would be looking in the used market because I can. It'll go a lot farther uh, for a used laptop than a brand new two hundred dollar laptop at at uh, Walmart, but. Uh, Man, you're you're scaring me that you know we we've had no problem putting Linux on for years and now we're going backward. I'm not talking about buying a used laptop. This is for somebody else. This is for someone who I evangelized to, who I said, let's only run Linux from now on because I'm not gonna help with Windows anymore because I don't like it. So he wants a new piece of hardware because his old one is crapping out on him. He's been running Linux on the laptop he has now since the day it was new. I, I do not believe he ever saw Windows on that. I, I'm, if, if, I, my, if my memory is correct, he when we bought that, it was shipped to my house and I put Linux on it. I don't think either of us ever saw Windows running on it. And it, it had driver issues, it had problems, and he suffered through all kinds of shit while I worked it out. And at this point, I don't think he's willing to go through that again, to go through a, a year and a half to two year, um, you know, driver adjustment period, you know, now that his hardware is dying. I mean, he's had the thing for six years, and I can't blame him. So I can't go out right now and buy an HP or a Dell or an Acer or whatever and expect it to work? You find me one that you can, that you are willing to spend somebody else's money on and expect it to work 100% in all the ways that they expect a computer to work, and I will buy that laptop for him today because he is hes telling me he wants a new laptop today. Well, I mean, I've had some minor, 
I've had some minor things like fingerprint, sorry, fingerprint readers on my last one and, you know, like the SD card reader. And all I have to do is get a $3 USB SD card adapter to fix that. We want, no, that's not going to work. A a fingerprint reader, he's not even going to pay for a fingerprint reader at all. So who gives a shit if it works? But if an SD card reader doesn't work and he needs an external SD card reader, no, that's not buying a laptop that works with Linux. I'm sorry. But look, this comes down to that same situation of, you know, you have mom and pop stores that you can, in your local town, you can go in, you can have great service and everything's going to be fine. And then Walmart moves in to your small town and just decimates the local community and, uh, you know, big box store, whatever, closes everything down. And that's where we are now. Do you buy from Acer, from HP, from Asus, or whatever? Do, do you buy from Walmart? Or do you buy from Mom and Pop, like Entraware and System76? And the fact is that if you don't support those Mom and Pop stores and pay over the odds, maybe it's two or three times over the odds. But if you don't support them, they will go away and all you'll be left with is the Walmart, the HPs, the Dells, and then there'll be no Linux support left. (laughs) So, you know, what do you do? Do you vote with your wallet uh, or do you vote with your heart and your your conscience? Jay, you you make a good good point there, but I think it depends on who you are, how much money you have to spend on this as well. Um, I think the average person will just, um, well, they'll go with what's cheaper, really. And most people, unless you've got, uh, maybe, unless, maybe, unless you're 5150, maybe, because it sounds like he's crowdfunded about 20 um, projects this year or something like that. So in that case, he can probably buy directly from System76 or some reason or something, no problem. Joe, your point is 100% true and correct and just um it breaks down as an analogy though because your local mom and pop store doesn't sell a quart of milk for five times what walmart sells it for and it breaks down as a metaphor because again i'm spending someone else's money someone is entrusting me with the decision where their money's on the line, and if it doesn't work, not only are they out the money, they're out a computer because his current computer isn't working anymore. And to be without a computer these days, try it. <laughs> you know, just try it. This is a guy who does not have a smartphone, so he doesn't even have a backup. Um, you know, try, try living with a flip phone and no computer for a week, and tell me how happy you're going to be with me for challenging you. Actually, guys, I can okay, probably but- afford to crowdfund because. The last two laptops that I've had have been just donated to me or given. Um, you know, I'm working with us right now, a Toshiba Satellite i3, which is fa- as fast or fa- well, it's faster than any computer I've ever had. Keyboard is crap. I have to tell you that. But uh, you know, Pokey, the uh, for the first time in ser- in several iterations, the internal SD card reader actually works. And, and we talk about five times as much money, but we, we're really not talking about that. We're talking about maybe one and a half or maybe one and a quarter times as much money. Absolutely not. I, I, and I just gave the example that I can buy. I literally, the, the, the laptop I'm using now, I bought two years ago or so. I paid $200 for it. And it's been 
a really good laptop. It was it was phenomenally fast with Windows on it. And finally, I convinced my wife to let me put Linux on it because it's her laptop, and it runs pretty damn slow with Linux Mint on it. It locks up and freezes solid pretty pretty frequently. Um, the same laptop, or at least the same level of laptop, I can get for two fifty now because I bought this one when it was on sale. And if I go out and buy a laptop with Linux on it, I cannot find one for less than 1200 bucks. I know that's not exactly 5X, but roughly that's what we're talking about. Come on, I surely you're talking really... about having a, a discrete graphics card and, and some other features that that $250 laptop doesn't have. Uh, no, I'm not talking about budget? any of that. I'm talking about a laptop that I am guaranteed will work with Linux. That's all I want. You cannot get that guarantee for less than twelve hundred bucks. What's your budget? Three hundred would be nice. Four hundred is pushing it. Five hundred, I'm gonna get an angry look. Yes, I'm and I... looking at a Think Penguin, uh, Think Penguin laptop for five fifty. Yeah, see, that's that's gonna break the ma- that's gonna break the budget. Five fifty is unacceptable oh. to him. Three hundred. Unless I show him some features, is is probably top dollar, maybe four hundred. Well, in the UK, we have some HP machines from eBuyer.com running Ubuntu, and I believe they are two hundred and fifty, three hundred and three fifty. Are those are those refurbished or are those um, coming that way brand new? I saw the eBuyer deal as well, and it looks quite good. But the only thing here is your game. AMD processor, not Intel, and apparently AMD doesn't actually work as well as Intel, so, yeah. Yeah, amen to that. And also, I will say, you're talking about British pounds, and you're still, you have more buying power with those than we do with American dollars at the moment. And we have for, what, 10, 15 years now? I would really like to challenge the supposition that, uh, you know, there's Linux drivers out there because of... System76 and Think Penguin. I mean, those are great companies. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, the, the hardware manufacturers are not saying, oh, we've got these two companies building Linux computers. We better make sure the Linux drivers work. It's because people in the, in the Linux community, because uh, the Linux, you know, make the Linux drivers work or, you know, the manufacturers saying, well, yeah, we don't want to be locked out of the whole uh you know linux uh linux market with with people installing linux on what used to be a windows computer i think if i i'm sorry but i i think if uh, system 76 and and think penguin disappeared tomorrow it would make zero impact on whether manufacturers support linux yeah absolutely who said anything different i, yeah, I would uh, disagree with that I would disagree with it based on this story that I've got to tell you, okay? You guys presumably are familiar with um, the Librem 13 and 15. um, And those machines were sold based on the fact that they were going to run free software top to bottom. Well, as we know, the the core boot and the um, Libre boot has not panned out. And so effectively, they are just a machine that runs... Um, everything above the BIOS free software, which is fair enough. Okay, you know, I'm not going to complain, even though they're about three times the price of a similar machine that we've talked about there. But 
it happens that those machines are essentially identical to machines that Entraware are selling in the UK. Now, it's not that they are manufacturing the same machines, two different companies. They're not manufacturers. These companies are resellers, and they're resellers of cheap Chinese machines, which are actually quite good in terms of quality, and things that you can go, anyone can go and buy off Alibaba or whatever those eBay equivalents are in the Far East. And so Librem were trying to sell this this machine and have shipped some of them. But Entraware are selling them and have shipped them with substandard um, touchpad drivers. And the touchpad works as it well is recognized as a ps2 mouse so it's only single click there's no um there's no two finger scroll there's no gestures anything like that or there weren't until uh my friend martin um who is responsible for well the, the main developer of um, ubuntu mate he because ubuntu mate is available on those machines from entryware he took it upon himself to write a driver for that touchpad and now in the later versions of Ubuntu and indeed probably Arch and uh, similar, you can now use those machines with fully free software and have a completely uh, functional touchpad. And that has a knock-on effect with the likes of Librem. And so, so that to me is an example of how vendors of Linux laptops working with community distros like Ubuntu Mate can actually push things forward for free software well, hold on, it. though. If if your buddy was here right now and we asked him, would he say he's a vendor or a community member? He is not a vendor. He is a, uh, well, how can you put it? He is the, the main developer of Ubuntu Mate. Then you're making 50's point for him. This is 50 was saying that the vendors are not pushing out hardware drivers because because of system 76 he's he, what he said was that the community is taking care of this stuff because they're scratching their own itch and i, I think you're making this point for him well that may be but it's not what free software about is is community well yeah but that's not nobody's disputing that fact your, your whole point was there were these two very similar laptops and the one you know, the vendor clearly didn't give a rats how well it worked in Linux because they were shipping it without not not working well in Linux. And your friend took it upon himself to fix it. So uh, uh, Mate, at least, would, run, would uh, run well on it. So, you know, how's that different from Dell shipping a computer, HP shipping a computer, and I install Ubuntu on it? And, you know, find out there are several things broken and somebody from Ubuntu or, or, uh, you know, down, down, downstream at, at, at Mint or whatever looks at that and says, well, we can't, we can't let that stand and, and, uh, fixes it. So, yeah, I, I've got a groove pokey. It, it's, you know, I think, I think we're coming around about to the same point from different directions. Of course, well, you have to agree with this, me. I was agreeing with you. Um, Dell, I know your Dell's not exactly the small mom and, mom and pop you want. In fact, it's kind of the Walmart. But I know one of the guys that's that works on Linux support on Dell laptops, and he says that they put quite a lot of effort into making sure that Linux actually does work well on Dell laptops. The 
when we looked for laptops last and we did not buy one maybe a month or two ago um the only two acceptable laptops that we found one was a dell and one was a toshiba satellite and the satellite had some features he didn't need some hardware features he didn't need and pushed the price up beyond what he needed to spend but i that's understandable but there still was only one that i would say was was uh that i was willing to spend his money on to say that it was compatible with linux and that's because it was entirely intel based so uh, you know i mean I don't know if anybody's ever said it, but hats off to Intel for keeping all of their hardware Linux compliant and Linux compatible and, and for freeing their drivers. I mean, they seem to be the only uh, chip level manufacturer whose drivers remain compatible with Linux this entire time. Yeah, yeah, well, I uh, think uh, it's. I think back to, you know, back to earlier, you, when I said apparently AMD is. Not as good as Intel, and you said something in response to that. Um, but I, I, I was going to say why do you think that, but um, I, I agree with your comment about the in, Intel being better. So Intel graphics, they are open source, they work on that quite well. And the video obviously got proprietary drivers for their more fancy stuff. AMD, I think, is open source, but not quite as good as Intel, is it, for that even... AMD is not well, open source, um, and, but as far as Intel, Intel pushes so hard to get Linux support for their chips that they've actually had an instance where they actually uh, sent a bunch of patches to the upstream kernel, you know, sent a bunch of drivers, got them into a kernel, and then a release or so later realized that they weren't going to ship that particular chipset and actually had to remove them from the upstream kernel. Handsome Pirate, I've missed you. And, and listen, when it comes to Intel, okay, it's all well and good once you've booted and you get into a desktop or indeed uh, a server and everything's running fine. You can praise Intel. Oh, I love how they've open sourced all the code to make it run. But what about the bootloader? Um, yep. Well, and, and below that, what about the fact that the BIOS and the EFI these days is Amen. totally locked down? And it's it's proprietary, and therefore you could argue that even if you're running all the free software in the world, even if you're running Triskel on top of it, if you've got a proprietary blob running your kernel, uh, sorry, running your CPU and running the you know the BIOS that boots that, then you may as well be running Windows or OS ten on top of that. So funny thing, mm, you um, lost me at that point. You're you're right about the bootloader. Um, but having an operating system that is free is is far better than having one that is not free. And if the only way to get there is with a non-free bootloader, then we're stuck with getting there with a non-free bootloader. It's 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 not to say I do not agree with you if your point is hey the bootloader is not free, so we might as well might as well run you know dual boot Windows and and OS ten. I'm not with you on that point. So funny thing. Yeah, and, and uh, even at even at that point, uh, you know, okay, let's let's have a completely open source bootloader. But what what about the uh, firmware on the computer itself? Uh, that's not open. It's you know, hopefully one day it may be, but it you know that's 
that's a long way away. So if you if you keep saying, uh, you know, at every point there, you know, there's a, I can't have a binary blob on my computer that I can't look at. You know, you're going to be running an extra sketch. Well, it's, it's yeah, exactly. It's so it, supposing you're running, so supposing you're running Triscoll, right, and everything's totally free software and everything is a free software utopia. The fact is that. When you send instructions to your processor, your Intel processor, you're not directly communicating with the hardware. That processor has firmware, which is proprietary, and you are sending instructions to it. It interprets those instructions via its proprietary firmware, does what it has to do, and then spits out what it has to do. And But the fact remains that you are dealing with a proprietary firmware. And so even if you're running the freest of free software operating systems you basically may as well not bother because the processor that's doing all of the work for you is running proprietary binary blobs why do you I, 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 I disagree with the end I mean I see your point but to be honest but I mean let's be honest here most people who run Linux whatever distribution doesn't matter any any distribution do not go and Try and change the BIOS and put on one of the free software foundation approved uh, open uh, free software biases because if they do, they're worried their computer might go wrong and it's just you know, it's a hassle really. I mean, I never that myself, so <laughs> I'm just assuming here. But uh, but yeah, in general, most people will not bother. So, but I agree with Pokey's point that even if your BIOS, even if you got your phone, this you know, proprietary stuff, you're still better off in this sense with doing software freedom here to at least have an operating system that is free software, even if it has to then work with the proprietary BIOS so it can, so it can even boot up. That's, I agree with po- Pokey on that one. So, so I want to ask you... Can I toss this in there? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so our, the ARM world is interesting. Now, on the one hand, a lot of ARM chip vendors are really craptacular about working with the upstream Linux community. That's why you have every, pretty much every, every phone out there has an out-of-tree kernel. Right? But, on the other hand, there are some instances where you can boot an ARM chip with a fully binary blobs whatsoever. And there are some devices like, for instance, the first ARM Samsung ARM Chromebook, the Exynos 5240 version, you can actually replace the system firmware with a fully free firmware. So, to the point where the literally the only the only binary, if you will, running on it is the actual um, the actual microcode that came on the sock itself. And at that point, if you're going to be running anything besides one of these totally free and open uh, CPUs, which by the way are not actually available unless you program an FPGA. Then that's about as free as you're gonna get. What is that machine, and, uh, and what operating systems is it capable of running? Uh, it's capable. It's a, the original Samsung ARM Chromebook, and it's capable of running Fedora. And it's not only is it capable of running Fedora, it, it'll run Fedora with a full GUI, and it'll run a virtual machine with full hardware acceleration. Is it still available, or is it only on the used market now? Um. You might still be able to find it um, as a new computer. Now, I will say this: there, it's 
a two hundred uh knew it was two hundred and fifty bucks. Um it had two gigs of RAM and a two core ARM CPU. The problem with it is that it only had a sixteen gig internal storage because it was a Chromebook. They so that's the one problem I ever had with mine. Yeah, that's Opie. not gonna work either. Opie, uh, and Joe, they don't, they, you can't buy those anymore. I bought one when they first came out. That was the number one selling Chromebook on Amazon at the time. I, you can look. They sell them used. Um, you can use the crouton if you don't want to go the route that everybody else was talking about. That's what I have on mine. I use crouton with um, XFCE. What is crouton? Is that an OS? It's basically crouton is- your... your you're using the Chrome OS kernel and bootloader and all that, but you're essentially running another Linux distro within a Shroot environment. Well, that sounds pretty cool. I, I don't know if I'm ready to hand that off to someone else. I, that sounds like fun for me to try. I mean, that's something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when we, I, I wanted to mention that, and I don't want to change the subject, but, you know, half an hour ago or more when we were talking about year of the Linux desktop, and uh, Joe, uh, I think, made the point that, well, last two years, the best-selling laptops have been Chrome OS. Yeah, fine. Try uh, Get on Mumble with Chrome OS without using Crouton. Yeah, or without uh, pro- running proper Linux on it, you know, with CBIOS. But I'm, I'm very glad that ARM has been brought up here, because that was the point that I was trying to drive this towards, because we are, you know, we, we have this mindset that laptops are x86 be it amd or intel but the fact is if we want a truly top to bottom free software be it core boot well libra boot uh, you know rather than bios or efi the the only hope for us is a an arm based or perhaps a mips based or or similar based laptop and so you know to, to think that we're stuck in this x86 world i mean x86 laptop sales are declining well i mean they've, they've taken a bit of a, de- a bit of a rise this year but you know that that old world of x86 dex- desktops and laptops that's that is over now as far as i'm concerned and we are marching towards an arm and perhaps mips based future and that is where the best hope for a free software of you know genuinely open hardware free software machine lies as far as i'm concerned and it joe you're talking future but it sure as hell isn't the present joe you're talking about uh, avoiding binary blobs and perhaps i'm more ignorant but you're you're on your phone right now aren't you uh, you were earlier and you know you've got dalvik in between uh the linux kernel and your you know uh, and your uh, user interface and and your uh, software uh, and sure you know definitely not everything in the uh, in the uh, Play Store is uh, open source though if you get everything from F F Droid I guess you're covered but even with all that you're talking about a device that essentially has uh, two processors. Yeah. And and God knows what the you know what the phone side of it is doing to your privacy. Yeah, and, and to even get on that, well, you have to basically use proprietary software to do that. Right. Well, okay. Yes. I, I'm I'm on my phone right now, and yes, it's running so much proprietary software that I may as well be using OS 10 or Windows. However, and you sound beautiful, what, Joe. Well, exactly. That's proprietary software because, as RMS himself says. 
that proprietary software is often better than free software in terms of pragmatism but it's not about pragmatism it's about ideology but let's get let's stay on that ideology okay now what i'm talking about is an arm-based laptop now the thing with a phone is that it necessarily needs proprietary software to run because of the radio, because it is illegal in almost every country to connect to a GSM or similar network with open source software, because that has to be locked down. But if all you need to, or if all you need to connect to a network is an Ethernet or a Wi-Fi connection, then that can be 100% free software. And so... The, the phone example, to me, the, the phones are a, a stopgap to me personally. In, you know, they are pushing the ARM development forward until we get decent 64-bit octa-core processors that support 8 and 16 gigs of RAM so we can, I can have a decent laptop workstation that is running an ARM CPU that is totally free software top to bottom. Actually, uh 64-bit ARM CPUs that you just described exist. There's just no one putting them into laptops. Well, well, yes, I, I know they exist in, in certain phones, but they are going to exist in laptops. If it's not 2016, hopefully it'll be 2017. Joe, your your point and your um, your idealism and your ideals are admirable, and, and I'm with you 100% in that regard, I, I for the record. Um, actually, by the way, you can also get servers with 64-bit ARM CPUs. Um, um, yeah, I'm in phones, I'm in this, but I'm on um, computers, or mostly inside of x86. I think I agree with the person you mentioned said earlier, but that's going to be a long way away. And even in the, even in the Linux world, um, there aren't really that many ARM uh, um, distributions. In that sense, either that can't uh, exist. Um, hey, actually, handsome pirate! I I don't know that anyone is left still hoping that 2016 will be the year of the Linux server. No, that's what he been, isn't it? And that kind of already happened. <laughs> yeah. But you mentioned that uh, as far as ARM distributions, Fedora, for Fedora ARM is actually a primary architecture, which means that if a one of the QA if a if a release criteria is not met on ARM, then Fedora does not ship. Same as if a release criteria on x86 is not met, Fedora does not ship. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. That, that is no, not no, true. No. If that only affects x86 64, x86 32, if it is, uh, they will ignore that. As long as it works on 64 bit x86 they will push the release out and i hadn't heard that about the arm but that makes total sense to me because 32-bit x86 is just totally obsolete now as far as the fedora developers concerned and arm probably v7 and above that is equal to x86 64 um actually 32-bit x86 is still a primary architecture there's talks of phasing it out but it has not happened yet what game with 32-bit, is that what you're saying? Indeed. It's not happened quite yet, but it ha- it's still around. It's still a primary architecture. Yeah, yeah, okay. So from Nvidia as well, there are two points I've got to make here. One, an ARM version has been worked on here and there for a few years now, but it's kind of in the background. I think they're going to um, put more effort in it again soon. Two, I've seen the debate 
come up on our mailing list a few times now about having um getting rid of x thirty two bit support possibly in, in the next maybe in the next <laughs> three years even but I, I personally think that um thirty two bit should should stay in in distributions for probably another ten years at least if more than that because actually there's a lot more there'll be a lot more 32-bit computers out there that are still being used that could still be working in, say, 10 years' time as well. So, or five years or something. So the whole idea that everything can just go to x86, that's wrong. I mean, my mum's laptop, she's got one from 2005. That's, you know, that's 32-bit. Still works quite well. Well, and I I also know... I also know a lot of people out there who don't think 64-bit in Linux is quite ready for prime time and even though they have 64-bit computers they always install the uh, 32-bit with the memory extensions that's a waste I'm a a self-styled Luddite and yet I still you know sometimes I'll run 32-bit sometimes I'll run 64-bit but what I want to run and what I want to be the reality has no bearing on what is the actual reality and that is the fact that 32-bit is effectively dead and very few developers want to support it because they have the latest i5s and i7s and whatever and don't care about 32-bit i mean what are we talking about we're talking about a few netbooks and a few ancient 10-year-old laptops that they haven't cared about for years that's exactly my point about running linux as an operating system versus looking for a top to bottom free operating system from hardware level up to the very highest levels. You, that's exactly what I was saying before. You got to draw the line somewhere between what you want, which is your your idealism, and what you can have, which is the practicality. And there's trade-offs for either one. Yeah, and I think that that line is between x86 and ARM, because what I want is a purely free software top to bottom x86 machine that I can do all the powerful stuff that I can do with an x86 machine. However, the reality is that going forward into 2016, 17, 18, dare I say it, 20 and beyond, what is the reality is that I'm going to have to use an ARM-based machine. And I'm hoping that ARM will progress to a point where it is as powerful as my x86 machine now. And it's, it's lagging behind now, but who knows? But my only hope for a truly free software top-to-bottom machine is ARM. Um, I mean, or perhaps MIPS or one of those other architectures that isn't x86. But what I'm trying to, the point that I'm trying to get across here is that x86 is dead to us as, as truly free software advocates. We may as well just forget about it because it's not going to happen because of BIOS and EFI. If we want free software... We need to forget about Intel and x86. I, I, I disagree. Uh, I see your point, but but I see your point, but thing is, all the you know, in reality, most computers are, of course, x86. So you can't just say, "Oh, let's just." I've got to disagree with that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me let me jump in there. You said that to me that most computers are x86. What is that? Is wrong to me. To me, a computer is something that has a, a CPU, a GPU perhaps, RAM, and, and runs an operating system. If you look around at the world today, 
how many computers under this definition are effectively Android or iOS phones and how many of them are x86 desktops or laptops. It might be 50-50, it might be one way or another, but to say that most are either is... Well, most, most standard computers are like a desktop or a laptop, that's what I meant. I didn't mean uh, but, but what is the standard? The, the standard constantly shifts. And, and the standard in the 90s and the noughties was an x86 machine. As we know, running probably Windows out of the box or perhaps OS X. But the standard as we are looking at it now in 2016... Is, is an ARM-based mobile device. That is the standard computer that we're looking at. Well, um, by the way, you're, if you're on an x86 laptop, chances are you have one x86 CPU and three or four ARM CPUs. On another note, um, going back to the ARM servers, I can do kick off a kernel build on an x86 64-bit box and a kernel build on a... 64-bit ARM box that is similarly specced based so a Xeon versus Xeon server processor versus an ARM server processor about same clock speed same number of cores etc etc and both kernel builds finish at approximately the same time so you're saying to me that x86 and ARM are are more or less equal at this point no when it comes to when it comes to server grade CPUs yes alright hold on First of all, your server-grade CPUs, you're talking about many, many, many times more cores with the ARM than you're talking about with x86. So you're no, talking I'm apples not. and oranges. I'm but, not. I'm saying same number of cores. But back to back to something you said earlier, Joe. And, and I'm not arguing with you because I don't like your point. I really do like your point, and I really do like where you're coming from. But to say that you're giving up on x86 or x86-64 because the BIOS isn't there, that's not the fault of x86. That's not the fault of the processor at the heart of the computer. That's the fault of the industry, and that's the fault of the manufacturers. So if the entire world abandoned x86 and x86-64, or any future iterations at this point, if they all jumped ship and went over to ARM or MIPS or any other thing at this point, they're still going to be dealing with hardware manufacturers and chip-level manufacturers that make machines that need a BIOS, that need some sort of, of system to uh, to interface between the hardware and the operating system, and that's going to be a, a, a BIOS and a bootloader. And they're going to be the same proprietary BIOS and bootloader. It has nothing to do with the processor, and it has nothing to do with the kernel. So uh, while I admire your your um your morality here and and i admire your principles here um again practicality is not uh intermeshing cleanly with with the gears you're trying to spin let me counter that let me counter that with this okay please intel intel and amd are in the business of designing architectures and then manufacturing them and necessarily, they have to be. Uh, they have to be of a proprietary mindset about that. The difference with ARM is that they license the the design and the intellectual property of how to make that um, that processor, and so the software that they can then run on it, they don't really care about because, as far as they're concerned, they've licensed only the manufacturer out. Uh, you know, you know, they they they've licensed only the design out, and they're not 
worried about the manufacture of it. They will yeah, make money that. either way. I get that, but, yeah, but, but you're saying about- to carry on to your ultimate point, you're saying that in the middle here, the free market is going to insist on free software at the bootloader level. And I, I just don't think that that has ever proved out. We've not seen that. Yeah, I don't think no, I'm when, not saying- uh, ARM becomes... When ARM takes over the position of of Intel, let's say that happens. Do you think the government and the manufacturers are going to want to give up the power of being able to lock us out of our own machines? Okay, right. I'm not saying that for a minute. I'm saying Samsung, Apple, Google, the big companies are going to want to have binary blobs all over the ARM processes that they are implementing. What I'm saying is the difference is that at least from a minority, a small company. If you're a small company now, like um, uh, the Librem guys uh, who who go to Intel and say, we want to have uh, a processor that can run free software top to bottom, Intel say, no way, go away. Whereas if you're a small company and you go to ARM or a manufacturer who deals with ARM, then all, although it's not going to be in the likes of Samsung and Apple, and as I said you can actually get a processor that will run free software. And that, to me, is is a crack in the armor. No, no, no. That's precisely because ARM is not the industry leader. If ARM was the industry leader, as soon as they become the industry leader, they only care about the big purchasers of their technology. It's it's not because they're uh, morally or, or, or... in any other way committed to free software it's because they're they're forced at this point to deal with smaller markets than intel and amd uh, have already business deals with so a couple things here um first arguably arm is the industry leader there's Exactly, there's, exactly, exactly. There's far more arm cpus than there are intel cpus but even Preach. then on top of that though I will state that ARM doesn't necessarily go with best engineering practices and and uh, go goes with free software by choice initially. A lot of the reason why free software is a thing on ARM now is because John Masters at Red Hat browbeat them into submission in that regards. Hey, Tosh, Happy New Year, man. Speak up. Hey, what's up, guys? That's exactly what I was going to say about the fact is that you you talk about this hypothetical future where ARM might be the leader and might have overtaken x86 and then they're not going to uh, be open to smaller manufacturers wanting to have ARM processes that can have you know can run free software but we are in that world right now ARM has taken over x86 Intel is on the back foot. AMD is dead in the water. Hold on. We are not in a world where x86 is king anymore. We are Hold in on. an ARM world. When you say that ARM has taken over and ARM is in the lead and ARM... Okay, sure. They have more processors out there. Um, I got a, a GoPro for Christmas. It shoots in like 1.4K. Is there an ARM processor out there that I can install a free operating system on and edit that video in in any reasonable amount? I mean, can I do it at all, first Yes, of all? you can. And secondly, can I do it in a reasonable amount of time? And thirdly, yes, both can I do it without a friggin' cluster farm? Yes, they're all three, actually. Go ahead. I want to hear this. 
So if you want to do it on a laptop, uh, most ARM Chromebooks, even I mean not even include even the newest generation of ARM Chromebooks, you can drop free software on them. Completely, you know, have the whole stack be free. On top of that, if you want to use a desktop type machine, you can get go to Applied Micro. They will actually sell you uh, a motherboard CPU, you know, like you would stick in a regular desktop for, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Find you, like I said, it's a server-grade CPU, but you're, it's only, you're only talking about eight cores. You're talking higher-end desktop, if you will. You stick a nice graphics card in there. You know, stick it in a regular ATX case, hard nice drive, and all that. Nice graphics card, meaning NVIDIA with proprietary drivers? Uh, whatever. Just what I was thinking that. Well, I mean, it has... No, no, not whatever. I mean, is there a free... Is, is, there, is there a video card with free drivers that I can put in there? Actually, believe it or not, there are some NVIDIA graphics cards that work very well with the with Novo. So, can they yes. be purchased new, or do I have to go hunt yes, on you can eBay purchase and hope to find a low-mileage one? You can purchase them. Go to Newegg right now and purchase them. Not to take this on too much of a tangent, uh, handsome pirate, but if you know, if I could, if I can uh, buy an eight-core arm and put, as you say, a nice NVIDIA graphics card in there, let's say I'm not worried at all about binary blobs, can I install and run Steam games? No, because they're probably built for Intel. Or at least let's x86, be, uh, yeah. Let's, let's not be ridiculous and start talking about children's pursuits like games. We're talking about serious uh, grown-up business here. Oh, I think games is a much, much bigger business than video editing. As I've got my she, troll face on. As soon as you said Steam, I was like, any conversation of free software just went right out the window. Yeah, absolutely. But they are a big uh, driving force in having drivers for Linux, in in which case we're talking about free drivers again. So, well, uh, you know, game, drivers you know, drivers for, uh, games. Drivers for X8, <laughs> x86 computers, which we were talking about earlier, not ARM. Um, yeah, that's what SteamOS will help with and things like that. But I wanted to say earlier, though, and I'll do it now instead, um, Joe basically said, oh, um, but all the computers are a lot of computers are phones now and tablets, that's basically what we said earlier. And that is true as well. However, yes, there are a lot of people who just use their phone or tablet now. However, even so, quite a few of these people still have a laptop or a desktop. You might not use it that often anymore, but they will for their word processing or something that they think they can't do on their phone. So, so, even, so even a lot of people with ARM devices still have x86. That's my point here as well. Yes, but, you know, I'm supposed to be the Luddite here, but I'm telling you that, okay, those machines are around, they're still being sold to a certain extent, but they're massively being outsold by phones and tablets. And most people's primary computing device is a phone. And if it's not a phone, it's a tablet. And it may possibly, their their second or, or even third device is an x86 machine. Uh, you know, we are in a, we are living in the future, and the future is ARM. And you know, I would love the, the present 
to be x86 because that's what I grew up using and that's what I know most about and I, I know very little about ARM from a, a, a technical point of view but I'm being forced by reality to drag myself into this future of using ARM devices because that's where we are. I got to take a point away from you there and you keep claiming you're a Luddite and there's absolutely no way. You cannot be a Luddite and run Linux these days. It's it's not possible anymore. I'm sorry. You just can't do it. You have to be so much more of an advanced user and not this is entirely not Linux's fault. It's the hardware manufacturer's fault trying to get hardware that will run uh Linux at a decent speed and and do modern tasks like surfing the web for instance. Um I mean, you, you just can't do that as a Luddite, as a person hanging on to old technology. I mean, I have a, a 10 or 12-year-old laptop, and it's just unusable at this point. I'm sorry. And I Joe has a, you know, I, I think, has a point. At, 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 some, at some point, the only market for x86 probably will be high-performance gaming machines, and then they'll become prohibitively expensive and we will go to multi-core arms and then all the all the games on steam will will be ported arm in in a lot of ways they have been um i, I got a uh an email from uh amazon recently saying that they uh they gave me a $25 credit to their app store and it could only be used for the app store and i could only use it in the month of december so i i had a look to see just what was available and a lot of what's there um, for popular paid software is in fact, um, you know, PlayStation video games and Xbox video games and Windows based video games ported over to Android. So I, I have to agree with you on that point. They're going to port the software over if if there's money involved. And with my okay, remix I got mini uh, t- tied in, I'm sorry. If the re- with the remix mini tied into the 50 inch TV, you know. Uh, Oh, maybe some Android games look a little jaggy, but they they really look. You know, last gaming computer I had was a was a was a Pentium Four, so they all look better than anything that was ever on my Pentium Four on a screen that size. You know, native native Android games. You know, so if they if I can get them to work with the controller and the Remix Mini, you know, it's very it's very much like I would say console experience. Reg, what'd you do with it? I, I, I looked, I did just like you. I looked at it and I, it said spin by the end of 2015. I didn't go back. I don't, you know, this is all fine and good. R might be taking over the world. Your mom, your dad, your sister and your brother. Yeah, they're using their, they're using their phone to do everything in the world that you could compute on. But I guarantee that about everybody in this room tonight has a laptop or a full-blown desktop that they take Audacity and they're going to make a a nice-sounding audio out of. They're using GIMP for something. They're doing a great, you know, video something. And oh, they're, I have to interject here right quick. But uh, they're not. You're not. You're not using a, a a tablet or a phone to do that. You 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 can. That's the thing. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I don't want to do that stuff on a six inch phone or a seven inch tablet. You know, I want my I want my laptop that I'm sitting up here looking at a twenty two inch screen. That's what I want to do this on. Yes, if yeah, ARM but- can do that and make a big computer, that's fine and dandy. But 
we can call all these little things I'm holding in my hand. It's, a, it's the greatest computer in the world. It's better than my 6809 I had from Radio Shack in 1982. But, yeah, but, you know, we, we're talking semantics here. Yeah, ARM takes over the world. Android is Linux. Linux over the world. But be practical, guys. You've got to look at all the people around the world. They don't even know what Linux is. They see a telephone, and if it does what they want to do, they do it. So i got to interject right here. Um, Happy New Year to parts of the U.S. and Canada, Mexico, Mexico City, Chicago, all the way down to Guatemala, and Cairo, Kansas. Happy New Year. Cairo. Happy New Year. That's uh, that's K-Roll. Can, can, can I just interject here, guys, and say, look, it, I'm in London. It's six a.m. I really need to go to bed. But this has been one of the most fascinating conversations that I've had for several months. And um, this probably isn't the place to do it. I know this is going to be broadcast one day, but you guys, um, I've had a great time talking to you, and I would love to talk to you this kind of thing again. And um, so if you would like to talk to me again in a similar situation, please get in touch with me because I do various podcasts and I'm, I would love to do something like this, um, something like Chris is doing over on the west coast of the US with uh, Linux Unplugged. But you guys, uh, you know, seem to be, um, you know, of a similar caliber of that mumble room there. So, um, yeah, get in contact with me. Um, Joe Ressington is my name on Twitter and stuff, Joe Ress, and indeed anyone else who's interested. I would love to have this freeform chat with anyone who's interested. Um, uh, this feels really inappropriate to try and plug this, but it's not for any commercial. It, it's it literally just because I'm interested in having this conversation. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Joe at JoeRess.com is my email. Um, or joeressington at gmail.com or whatever. But I would love to have more conversations like this in 2016. I just followed well, you, sir. It's not inappropriate at all, Joe. And and uh, for myself, I apologize for arguing with you. I just like to argue. Um, mostly in your case, not in not in most people's case, but in your case, because I kept hoping you'd change my mind. Well, I want to... Well, I want to add, yeah, I was wondering if I can read my last anyway, What I wanted to quickly say here is, can I do virtual machines? Because, I mean, yeah, if you can do email, you can do web browsing and do basic things like that, fine, the phone, the tablet, that's fine. But if you're going to do specific things, which also Reggae was trying to say, I think, a bit as well here, like virtual machines, that's a good example, virtualization, can you do... You can't run virtual box on a tablet, come on. You can on a PC, so can you even do virtual machines on a tablet? You can't do it, can you? It's not quite Actually, there, you can. It? I was going to say, you can't even answer pirate. I've run virtual machines on an ARM box. And before you go, Joe, uh, you you are more than welcome any time. Uh, of course, if it uh, contribute to hackerpublicradio.org and everything you need to know is right there on the website. Also... I'm involved in uh, Linux Lugcast, which broadcasts uh, the first and third Fridays of of uh, every month at uh, 9 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which, you know, probably might be inconvenient for you. But again, all in, it, it, we're, we're essentially an online lug. 
and everybody, everybody is invited to join. So, uh, you know, and all the information is right there at linuxlugcast.com. Ahoy, she sat them. Okay. That, definitely, that, that definitely sounds interesting to me. Um, and I, I really ought to. Was that, uh, did you say Fridays? Yeah, Fridays, uh, 9 Eastern Standard Time. First and third every month. Okay, guys, we've been talking about this for an hour plus. Why don't we decide? Okay. Uh, and, I, just uh, that's... I also want to say just one re- sort of on the subject, uh, Handsome Pirate and Pokey, you guys are both in, encouraged to uh, come back to uh, Colonel Panic Ogcast anytime you can make it. I will probably take you up on that and momic the hell out of you. Anyway, guys, listen, it's been really great, and I would love to talk to you all night, and I, w- I could easily do that. I could drink a lot more and talk to you guys about all sorts of aspects of software freedom and hardware and all that stuff, but I really must go to bed. So it's been real, and I'll probably speak to you again next year. Well, happy New Year, sir. Happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year. You've been most welcome. And, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, Stan, isn't that this HPR? Podcast, you haven't done it for about a year, but this last time either. Happy New Year. See you later. And also in the in the room, uh, there's a lot of handles I recognize, and I don't think we've let them have a word in ep- uh, edgewise. There's Sepsin and uh, Shizatom and Underrunner and Yurigami. I don't think we've let them talk all day. Sep, um, we got any time to make? Just to, uh, to the person you want to chat. Pirate, you doing anything good for New Year? Pirate, some artillery. Nice. I let the turn on the mic for it too. Scared the. I think I scared some folks. Pirate, what kind of artillery you got? I was artillery officer. Oh, just a cannon. It's a whole lot of stuff there. <laughs> All right, muzzle loader. <laughs> I think I stay another hour or so. So maybe we can chat about something interesting though. We've got people shooting off fireworks in our apartment complex. <laughs> we also have some spiced rum. Orange curacao, ginger ale, and gummy bears on ice. Gummy bears on ice. That's the best part. I can't take gummy bears. Would these be gummy bears with alcohol in the center? Now I'm going to have to. Because that I don't. We have the technology. Injection. Well, what was it that Mordency was running around with at OLF? He had like caffeinated uh, gummy bears that he made himself or something. It was crazy. No, that I've sounds got, dangerous. I've got caffeinated e cig juice. Next best thing. What cig juice? Electronic cigarette. Oh, oh. Oh, John, we transferred over our photos today from the past, like, half year, and we, um, that one train we went and saw, yeah, I still need to upload that. Probably going to do it, like, tomorrow. Go for it. Pokey, you were asking about that original Samsung Chromebook. I just checked Amazon. They have a certified refurbished one for $149, but they also have new models, and they cost more than the new Chromebooks, so I don't think you'll get a new Samsung 303C Chromebook at a cheap price unless you get a refurbished or you... Yeah, I'm not so sure he's going to go for it. Uh, again, he has no interest in a Chromebook uh, running a Chrome OS. He he wants a laptop that runs Linux. You know, he's he's really used to Linux Mint, and, uh, and that's something I find not too difficult to support, you know, is, is Linux Mint. So whatever I get for him is something I'm going to have to support because I've I'm the one that's convinced him to to go with Linux and he's been real real happy with it so far it's just his hardware is failing I think you just I made a 
concerted effort in 2012 when Microsoft was putting a strong arm on manufacturing when Windows 8 was coming out to find a laptop that still didn't have the UEFI on. And if it did, you could turn it off. And I, got, I ended up with the P580 Lenovo with the Core i5, 6 gigabytes of RAM, and it runs Linux Mint Monte perfectly. Never had any problems with it. That's what I'm using now. I'm nursing it because I know I don't want to go through what you're going through. I don't want to replace this thing. It just works with Mate on it. I've had Ubuntu on it. I've had OpenSUSE on it. It just works. And so I don't want to go through what you're planning on trying to do. So yeah. I'm going to toss this out there right quick. Uh, you don't turn off UEFI. What you do is you just go into BIOS compatibility mode, but it's still UEFI under the hood. Um, it's yeah. The only thing you can turn off is secure boot. And actually, Microsoft has made, ironically made it a requirement that you can do so on at least x86. Yeah, I, I understand what you're talking about. All this is what we've been talking about the last hour. A lot of is semantic. We know yes. what we're talking about. When I said turn off UEFI, you knew I meant secure boot. Sure. Now, and the other problem is, you know, since the, uh, was it was it called, I forget the exact name. I think it was Superfish. Since that, I don't want to buy another Lenovo. That's what he's got now that I bought from him last time. That's what his wife has is a Lenovo. I can't go buy another Lenovo now. I, I how how can I do that? Well, I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm the, I was the same way. I'm glad. I'm I'm about like you. I can't go back and get a Lenovo. I'm glad I got it in 2012. Well, the thing with Superfish is it only affects Windows. It's a and specifically, it only in, in affects their installed Windows. So if you go and drop Linux on it, then you erase the problem. That being said, you still have you should still not buy a Lenovo because of the ethical issues of them causing this issue in the first place. Um, it, with Lenovo, it's even beyond ethical. Uh, they were either um, uh, uh, sorry, six beers in incompetent. My, my, yeah, it was either incompetence or negligence, or they were uh, cooperating in in putting that on there. It's one of the three. Oh, we're talking about well, it's the, not, the it's not was there, was there, was there. The Lenovo Malicious Program, I was looking for a new laptop, and of course the Yoga 3 comes up and all that, and people suddenly was like, oh, Lenovo's good. And then when you read, actually, they shipped out loads of malware on their pre-install on their computers. That kind of made me think, well, that's not very good. And uh, okay, I was going to run the next Anyway, and so on, but I would, but actually, I would have kept Windows pre-installed. So it's like I've still got Windows on this laptop as well, HP. But um, you know, they, they, they need to check stuff like that. A company like that, you can't, you can't shut malware out as simple as that. If you, and if you do, you're going to have problems when it's found out. Simple as that. So earlier this year, you mean an hour and fifteen minutes ago? But a little more seriously, though, um. Dell also did something similar here, even more recently, here about, what, two months ago? So, it's not exactly an isolated problem. No, but, yeah, I mean, if it's intentional or not, I mean, they, need to, they should have better checking, really. Make sure there isn't things pre-installed. 
new fault is is kind of irrelevant. The whole point is that they shouldn't have that on there in the first place. Whoever's fault it is, they need to just have more checking done than they're pre-installed. Well, I mean, this, those just, companies. this just shows or demonstrates that the FSF has been right all along. Oh, we knew that ten years ago. Yep, or we more. Just, you t- we just have to do our due diligence, you know. I don't think you can really trust any company. You just have to research, do everything you can. Hopefully, nothing will come up. And that's just about it. Uh, if you get something, you just have to try it out and see. Yeah, you can't trust. Well, yeah, you can't really trust these companies completely. That's true. You can you can generally trust um, open source or free software um, better though, because of course the code is open like that. But I mean, yeah, any pre-installed Windows install could, could actually happen kind of malware in it if it's intentional or not. That's a, that's that's a point I just made as well. Did anybody have any thoughts when IBM sold the ThinkPad line and the Lenovo to Lenovo, a Chinese company? They have in their back of their mind that the Chinese government might control Lenovo. Yeah, uh, well, I think I remember seeing a documentary actually on TV the other month about how apparently they are opening up to like capitalism and consumerism more having various companies there. However, the Chinese government want to apparently kind of control, the, especially the guy mainly in charge, they want to apparently control the companies and how they do business there. And it's sort of like, can you really do that if you let so much of these companies in there? But that's always suspicion, isn't it? Like, are there, is there somebody in the background controlling them or not? My beef with Lenovo is... When I well, IBM here more recently sold their server line to them, and I had a friend that was working for IBM on their server firmware. And when the server line was sold to Lenovo, then uh, she went to them. Obviously, well, here about I guess it was February of this past year. Now, uh, Lenovo laid off just about all of their American software engineers that they had working on the x86 servers, and. She was one of them. So that's kind of, you know, got me pissed off at Lenovo. And they, and everyone saw it coming, but it still wasn't cool. Uh, and, by the way, she's still looking for a job. So if you know any openings for firmware engineers, my friend Lillian Raleigh needs a gig. So willing to work for the federal government? Possibly. I could give her an ask. Can I sidetrack for just a, a moment here, please? Uh, well, that's been happening all day. I know, I know. Uh, 50 mentioned that I did, that I, I was part of the first uh, HPR New Year's Eve show, and it was actually part of the first few. Um, but I think probably this year we're at the point where I was not part of as many as I was part of. And I just want to thank everyone at HPR, everyone who participates, the whole community, um, for carrying on. I mean, I, I thought it was, when I, when I did it the first time, it was kind of an idea that it was something I felt that had to happen just to draw attention to HPR to, to revive the community. It wasn't even like an idea of, hey, this this would be great, it'll be a first. It was just, it was something that I thought needed to happen and someone needed to do it. Um, so I did. But it, it seems to have worked. The community jumped in and has been doing the same thing year after year. And it's it's excellent. I want to just thank everybody um, who's, who's putting in the work and who's doing all this. Uh, I, I can't stay up all night anymore i'm not 
that kind of point in my life where I can, you know, to do a 24 hour show and not miss a minute of it. Um, but we certainly have, you know, 24 hours of, uh, of community member coverage. And that's, um, I don't think there's any other, uh, com- online community in the world that I'm aware of that can say that. So this, it's, it's awesome. Well, Ken already knows I'm not staying up till 8 a.m. So some point I'm going to leave the thing re- recording and if somebody wants to drop in, they can, but, uh, uh, I have a feeling most of the stuff's going to subside before then. I don't know. In past years, it's gone on and on. Um, yeah, everybody always says that. Yeah, I don't think it will go on and on and on this time. I, Popey, I would like to say I was one of those lurkers for the first couple of years, and I remember you listening. I've heard the voice over and over for the past few years. I just want to say thanks. You and 5150. Same with him, Hawking Magoo. All you guys. This first time. Well, thanks. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. I mean, just having someone listening, just knowing someone was listening, um, and and knowing that someone was going to participate. It was more that someone was going to participate, I'll be honest. And here you are participating. So uh, you literally are the reason that I ever did any of it. Well, I blame Brome for being here. He's the only, he's the one that originally got me onto Oddcast Planet and subsequently doing the hbr new year shows oh yeah brome is 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 an awesome awesome individual absolutely i have to concur he's one of my favorite people in our podcasting community not to slide anybody else but uh just just saying he's always uh entertaining to talk to and unfortunately the only time we seem to get to do it anymore is uh uh on the on the new year's show because you guys never show up for Dev Random anymore. Sorry. It's, it's, it's bad enough. I got to drag people in the KPO. I mean, I can't even imagine getting getting people to Dev Random now. Is there a Dev Random again? There, there, there would, would be, be if ever people, people would show up. up. You got to let me know if it's going to happen. I, I'm to the point where I don't bother to check anymore. So if anybody wants to do a Dev Random... I know a lot of people who want to hear a Dev Random. When's the next Dev Random supposed to happen? Well, since we did KPO, KPO was last Saturday. Technically, the next Dev Random would be this next Saturday evening. Which is today. No, today's Friday. Oh, that's right. Damn it. <laughs> hey, guys. Anyway, um, I, I got to go. I've been running around all day today, and I got to run around all day again tomorrow. Uh, and I'm fading fast here. But Happy New Year's, everyone. Happy New Year, Pokey. Thanks for coming out. I've been on since 9 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, there was nothing but static. I'm going to hang in there, but I'll listen. If you guys run short on topics, um, Taj is here to discuss the Hacker Public Radio Audiobook Club. Books, 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 books. Oh? (laughs) Happy New Year, Pokey. Thanks, man. Good night, everyone. Good night. Todd, you've been in and out all day. Yeah, I looked out this year. I, I, I stayed home all day, which um, partially <laughs> due to sickness and stuff, but um, it, it's fun. I, I got to kind of monitor all day. It was nice. I'm uh, going in a bit as well, unless I will get in a bit probably anyway. So um, what can we talk about for half an hour or so? I'd like to hear more about this here book or audio book club. Well, we always meet on this server on uh, Patch Tuesday. 
the rule is the book has to be uh, available for gratis as an audio book. So most of the time that's meant Creative Commons from uh, from audiobooks.com, but sometimes it's been stuff in public domain and sometimes it's been stuff that's just uh, free for download, uh, e- you know, even if it is encumbered. Uh, so we all listen, we decide on every, every month we decide on next month's books and months and months later, we actually get them posted to the server and that, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of our deal. We always, we, we always do the first half, uh, you know, if not spoilers, not doing spoilers for the book. I don't want to ruin it for anybody that hasn't read the book. And then second half. Well, we, we 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 take a time out and we all enjoy a beverage of you know whatever whatever type we like. Not necessarily has to be an adult beverage. In my case, it always it always is and always shall be. Uh, but then we get on with what might be considered spoilers uh, in the book and basically talk about what we liked about the book. Uh, what we thought could be better, how, you know, the, uh, the audio presentation, things like that. Okay. And, you know, just like anything else on Hacker Public Radio, anybody's, Anybody's certainly welcome to join in. The uh, the current uh, book we're reading is the uh, oh, what broke? It's not the broken, the failed city. The failed monologues, city monologues. Is that yes. It? Yep. Failed city so monologues. You, and that's available for free on audio on patio books, not audio books. Patio books with a P. Have you guys seen the new Star Wars? Yeah, we've we've discussed it generally, but we've tried not to do spoilers today yet because I haven't seen it, and there's probably going to be people listening on the stream who haven't seen it yet. I, I haven't seen, seen it. it, but I put it on John. Go see it. My my Google Play Movies wish list. Hey, she sat him. I think you've got some audio bleed over going on. I feel like I didn't bring enough glow sticks for this conversation. I'll go get my flute. Whoa, whoa, simmer down now. I have seen the new Star Wars film. 5150, give me a spelling of the potty, a P-O-D-I-O? Yes, just like that. I keep coming up with a freemium cloud-based collaboration service that was founded in 2000 and acquired by 2000. It's not project management. No. Link inbound. So there's this new text editor called um, Atom, A-T-O-M. I typed it into the mumble chat, but (laughs) mine, I keep getting text object too large to display. So I don't know if you guys are seeing what I type or not. Got it. You've got Patiobooks.com. Okay, yeah, patio. And the name of the book is the Failed Cities Monologue, which is very interesting, by the way. And I don't think we were just discussing this amongst the people who um, typically are there that we're taking January off, and we're probably going to try to do this one in February, maybe, to uh, get it going. So that gives you plenty of time to read it. It's fairly short. Okay, you didn't tell me that before. 
Were you not part of that email chain? I guess maybe not. No, I uh, I uh, fell uh, uh, asleep at the end of the at the end of the show, and I woke up uh, on the stairs. In, yes, pretty much. No, I fell asleep here in my chair, and I uh, I woke up after the show ended. So I guess I missed all that. Oh yeah, I remember and that yes, happening. it was alcohol related. It always seems to be alcohol related. Only when hey, I think this has to be the most sober that I've been after uh, you know after after midnight on a New Year's show since the beginning. I agree. We can rectify this, you know. Oh, I intend to. Party just got started. Where's the electronic music now? He had one job. Oh, I remember that. Where was it you went up and took off to the beer store and disappeared? I want to say that was during a Tilts episode. Uh, no, because that would be a bad idea because it's a 10-mile drive to town. If I've already been drinking, going to the beer store is not a good idea. I may have been going to the refrigerator and disappeared. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think I remember that, you know. I went to the refrigerator and wound, and uh, w- woke up about 4 a.m. in bed. In fact, I believe that's happened at least more than once. Today. Now, for some reason, my best drunken ex- escapades seem to happen at Linux conferences. That being, be- said, that being said, I've also seen people at Linux conferences have their own drunken escapades that I was very much glad I wasn't participating in. Alcohol's one hell of a drug. Uh, yep. Like, I was at a Fedora conference once, and so it was concurrent with a wedding in the same venue, and they decided to leave... Someone in the wedding party left behind a bundle of probably 500 sparklers, and this one dude lit the entire bundle and wound up in the hospital with second-degree burns. Dope! Not naming any names to protect the innocent. Yeah, sometime if you're on a podcast with Dan Washko, you've got to ask him about uh, OLF, the uh, the uh, the wedding party, and uh, we love Linux. That sounds like uh, self and the wedding party. I was thinking it was OLF. Could be wrong. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that it didn't happen at OLF. I I just know it's ha- actually it's happened at a couple of selfs. Yeah, I think it was self. I've heard that story before. Yeah, that was the year that uh, they were giving out drink tickets for anything and everything, and it was like one ticket would get you the 18-year-old scotch. I think that was also the last time that Red Hat sponsored the after party itself. Linode had it last year. It was pretty sweet. See, this this is one of the things that made me mad. We still had uh, half a keg of beer left at OLF this year at the after party. If I'd been a little bit more drunk, I, I probably would have got enlisted some help and drug it back to the room. Have you guys seen Cards Against IT? I've heard of it. I want to play that so bad. It's hilarious. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've heard of it as well, but I'm kind it's of like our old job, dude. Really? Yep. Maybe I don't want to play it. it. Might it might cause triggers? Have you guys ever played Jungle Speed with Murph? I have not. Negative. Oh, you got to do that something. That, that's another card game. What it is, you have these cards, and they have patterns and colors. And uh, most of the time, you're trying to match patterns. And it's hard to do because you'll, ha- you'll have a matching pattern, but there'll be a different color. And there's a lot of patterns that are very, very similar. So you go around, and you you know everybody lays down a card, 
and uh, you know, if two people have a match, then you have to grab for the wooden totem in the middle of the table, and whoever whoever grabs the totem first wins. And if you both grab the totem at the same time, whoever has the highest grip on the totem wins. And sometimes people get cut by fingernails and all that stuff trying to get the trying to get the totem. But, you know, after you've been drinking, it gets harder and harder to realize, you know, and all of a sudden going, oh, and, and both people realize at the same time, oh, a match, zap, you know. So, and the and what you want to do is wind up with no cards. So if you if you win the challenge, then you give your cards to the uh, person that loses, and then there's cards that you turn over. If you turn well, no, you if you if somebody turns over a card that's a color card, it has the four colors. Then you're no longer matching patterns; you're matching colors. So somebody could turn over the color card, and where there wasn't a match before, suddenly there's a color match on the table, and you got to go for that. And if you go for the totem and there's you, you're not part of a match, that's called a, a party foul, and then you lose that hand. So and you know and there's various and sundry party fouls that you that you can commit, but basically one the main one is going for the totem when you you really aren't eligible to do it. So it's you know it, it's a great board game and like i said uh, alcohol only enhances the experience sounds like my kind of game so i take it the thing to do is to get metal artificial fingernails and sharpen them yes or a gauntlet or something like that all right well i'm pooping on this party because i gotta get, get, some, get sleep. some sleep i'm, I'm going, going to i think i'll get back up about 6.30, see y'all all. Good night. Well, Happy New Year, y'all. Yep, night, everybody. Or everybody's leaving. No, I'm so happy I, I will go off to sleep. I'm so happy I will go off to sleep. Well, I will be right back. Famous last words. See, that's what I say every time before I crash in bed and don't wake up till 4 in the morning. Exactly. I'm feeling quiet. Is anyone actually here? I'm still here. I'm just uh, typing up an email to me. If uh, Joe Roy wants to come join us sometime, I'm uh, giving him all the addresses where he can jump in the podcast. Make it the easy Joe for him. Give him you mean? I'm sorry? The, the Joe Roy Chantelia, or is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. He mentioned, he mentioned he would like to maybe, maybe join us on other podcasts, so just making it easy for him if he wants to do that. Yeah. He seemed a pretty cool dude. Well, I recognize the name once once he said it. Also, I, I I've heard of him from other podcasts, at least. Yes, I'm really following the podcast, but I think it's he's got his own big podcast on me, or bigish, or, or maybe <laughs> I don't really follow the podcast. And it is probably one I'm posting there. If 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 it is what I'm thinking. Well, he's got his own at uh, Joe Rez. Dot com, but I'm I'm thinking he's on one of the other you know uh, you know more famous podcasts. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm thinking when he, when he started saying something. Yeah, the Luddite thing. It is a podcast, isn't it? Oh, Linux Luddites. I I think you're right. Yeah, I think Duh. that's what it was. He started getting on the Luddite. I'm like, I'm like, um, 
looked up and I was like, it means, no, no, I'm thinking, no, no, it's got to be the podcast. I think there's a podcast, yeah, but a more famous one that you said. Well, Linux Luddites would make sense with the way he was saying he was a Luddite. Yeah, I should have cut on to that. Yeah, it's when they mention that uh, old camp and places like that, I think. And that's probably what he meant by guests on his podcast. Sounds like he wanted us to go on his podcast. Oh, that'd be cool. Of course, I haven't been on a podcast of any sort in quite some time, so maybe no, it's time to be on Well, I've done New Year's thing here. I've been on Gordon's podcast, and I've been on another one that was linked to that kind of... But I haven't been on, like, a big, proper one, though. You guys were talking... He's in Linux Luddite, plus he does uh, Mintcast now, and then plus last month he did uh, Ubuntu UK a couple of... Wait, say that again. I said Joe does Linux Luddites. He's also with Mintcast podcast, and he did last month a couple of Ubuntu UK podcast with the gang. Right, yeah, yeah, that's things the the Luddite thing. And okay, yeah, it's one of the better podcasters. I'll see you guys. Gotta go. Happy New Year, sir. Catch you later. Now, here's a question I'm going to put to 5150, since, well, K-Wisher isn't here, so this is for you, 5150. Are you actually here, though? Yeah, still, yeah? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, so I read in the, the mailing list archive for HPR that, and I think you even said it earlier anyway, that this would just go out in the normal shows later on instead of the reserved New Year's slot there would normally be. Do you think that was the right choice now? Well, at least it gives us a little more breathing room to get it edited. Uh, like I said, we I, I would hate to promise three shows and then find out nobody showed up. Well, yeah, but obviously people are going to come to, new, to the New Year show as, as has been shown again. And part of it was the first one would have had to have gone out tonight. And, you know, I, I've been here on the channel just about all all day that I wasn't doing something else. So there's no way I could have edited it and it would have, you know, Ken was going to do it again and we didn't want Ken to have to do it. So, uh, you know, uh, that was, that was part of the reason too. Yeah, but what's the editing anyway? It's putting the theme tune in, taking the white space out, the white noise. And that's about it, isn't it? I'm the show yeah, that is pretty much it. A lot of it would be, you know, maybe figure out where there would be two hours or whatever, you know, of of show without, uh, uh, you know, a- after the uh, uh, a- uh, after the silences were removed. You know, there certainly wasn't anything like uh, when Ken and I started recording. What three a.m. about, and there wasn't anything. Hardly anything till eight a.m. the next morning. Uh, this morning, and then you know, I don't think there was. Uh, uh, like I talked to Honky a little, and then there really wasn't anything again till almost ten o'clock. Yeah, well, that's your time zone, I think. Um, but but yeah, certain times aren't going to be as busy anyway because of the various time zones that have that time then. What time it is in those time zones? Yep, and we're coming up on New Year's for the Mountain Time Zone in about ten minutes. Apparently, apparently that wasn't going to get done either, but um, it is good to do that, actually. If it fits in, and there's not too much discussion in the way. 
Um, but yeah, it's deleted in a lot of time zone. What, what are you recording the show in? Which file format? That's the point. Uh, well, they expected in, uh, uh, oh shoot, um, Hired dog. But I'm, I'm recording. I'm recording in in Wave. Yeah. I, I I've got a five terabyte hard drive sitting there, so it's it's it'll have room for it. Yeah, I've been doing. I, I did some personal in Og, but I was looking at the files earlier and thought it's not too big. But if it's on for too long, it's going to be really big. Well, I'll turn it off when I go off anyway, because I can listen to the rest on the actual podcast. When it comes out, yeah. The plus said they prefer Hacker Public Radio prefers it FLAC, so it's not like I want to record it in AUG and then up upcode it to FLAC. So you know, as long as I've got space, I'll I'll record in Wave. Flat Wave and FLAC. FLAC is just better quality. What's the difference between that and Wave? Well, what Wave is absolutely uncompressed. It's raw. Flat flack is is a high quality compression standard, higher than either AUG or MP3. Right, so flack is really the best, but Wave will do otherwise, basically. Flack is well, is compressed, but it's lossless compressed. Right, but it, you know, if I could record in flack, I'd do that. But I can only record in Wave, AUG, and MP3. Why is that? Because I have space for for the flack. Why, why can't you record flack? I should have got some better sleep last night. I'm gonna be lucky to make it. Two hours, much less three to to the. Well, it's two hours to the east coast. Well, no, I guess it's an hour. It's because we're coming up on mountains, so it's an hour to east coast. And then originally, my plans were to keep going for an hour after that. So I can probably hang in for two hours. Otherwise, you can just hear me snoring on the link. Yeah, I mean, I, I could stay up even longer, but I, I'm going to go in a bit. I think because it is. Um later here not tired though but um, what, what I'm saying is why can't you record it in FLAC well Mumble doesn't record in FLAC okay right yeah I didn't put it in actually and I will be back I am going just to the refrigerator this time for a beer good night dude so hey Seb you working on any interesting projects wait say that again you working on any interesting projects uh well, I'm not really a programmer, so in that sense, no. But um, I'm meaning to get some a speech or two done this year for a public speaking group. I need to do more speeches. Um, and I've also got FOSDEM coming up, and I'll be involved with my a project there. And, and also um, get some talks, hopefully. You know what FOSDEM is, yeah? Well, I'm, I'm familiar with FOSDEM. Uh, what? What talks are you looking at giving? No, no, I don't. I don't do any techie talks at Fosdem, but um, for my group, I'm going to be doing a speech about um, <laughs> Microsoft's gun rules, hopefully next or something like that. I've, I've had the idea for a while. It's just like how do you make into a seven to eight minute speech, making it kind of funny. I was having the kind of serious side as well. Um, I haven't quite figured that out yet, but. It's an idea I've had for a while, so I kind of need to do it. I put, oh, might even do like a fake Windows machine just to show you what a blue screen is, for example. Blue screen of death, because no one really knows that. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? The fake scam calls. 
they pretend they're from Microsoft when they're not, and people actually fall for this, some people do. Well, if you get it accepted somewhere and it gets recorded and put up, let me know. I'd like to watch it. Oh, I haven't recorded, but that's like a, well, mostly a personal video, but, um, yeah. But I hope, uh, but I hope it's all stats are good, because you get to meet loads of different people. Happy New Year to that time zone, then. Okay, I made it back. So, Happy New Year to more parts of the U.S., Canada, uh, Calgary, Denver, Edmonton, Phoenix. And I'm going to take the opportunity right now to stop and restart my recording. We're now off the record. And we're back on. Although, with Ken Fallon recording, there's always a backup. Well, right, and honky, and we're going to figure out how we're going to cut that up. Uh, But uh, (coughs) I'll see if I can't get a good chunk of it tomorrow sometime. I hate to... I hate to do it and then find out all three of us have done it simultaneously, but who knows, it might work out that way. And like we said, we're really not doing much of anything except uh, hitting uh, truncate silence and uh, throwing it on a plate. And if anybody's listening out there, you would think there would be a way to do it. Is there any way in Audacity? You know, if if I want to combine two recordings in Audacity... I've got to export one of them to Wave, and of course that's lossless, uncompressed, but still, <laughs> and perhaps I'm completely wrong. Uh, you know, still I get the impression that wouldn't be as good if I could just combine, uh, you know, two original Audacity sections sessions with each other. So if anybody knows there's a way to do that, I've never been able to figure it out. So I believe there is. And what I may do for this evening is we've still got uh, uh, West Coast uh, coming up. And don't anybody feel like they need to hang around on the show with me if they're ready to go to bed. But uh, probably at that point, the way I'm feeling, if there's if there's nobody around in the in the audio, I'm just going to leave the recording running and and plug it back in the speakers and go to sleep on the couch and anybody needs me if they shout loud enough i'll probably hear them okay what you can do is you open the you open both projects you'll get two separate uh audacity sessions but you can actually copy the audio from one session into the other session oh okay yeah that makes sense might take a while if you had two big files, and I probably don't. I'm probably not going to combine two of the bigger files. I, when I did the uh, KPO last week, uh, you know, it was well after remove silences. It was two hours, but it was started out three hours, and it was just doing anything with that file was just chugging the whole system. You can also do a file in order that will into the Wow, man, you just you were breaking up way bad for me. Bunch of siloting. I didn't get any of that. But doing the copy and paste thing is much faster than doing uh, an export and import. Oh, okay. Well, good. Looks like Hacker Public Radio is filled in through the next two weeks. Of course, that may mean if we don't get on the stick, you guys won't uh, hear this recording until February sometime. Still pretty bad, uh, uh, Zyka. Yeah, that sounded like a sample you would use in a trance show. Just not getting any better. 
Yeah, it still sounds like a sample for a trance show. Bad audio. I figured I might as well say hi. Hey, Underrunner. How's it going? Do I sound okay? Yeah, you sound oh, you fine. you sound great. I've kind of been wary of talking because I've had audio issues the last couple of times I've tried. Well, you sound perfect to us right now. I don't know if you guys remember me. I was the one that did the HPR episode on uh, Christmas lights. Oh, yeah, that's... Uh... That's actually one of my favorites, using a, using a pie to do the Christmas lights. Uh, I never got the pie to successfully work for the way I have everything configured. I was using Arduino. See, I never had time. I got to make time next year. I've just got a uh, perfect cedar tree between the house and the road, you know, so I gotta, it wouldn't take too long to run some power out there. So I, ne- I need to do some kind of display for next year. I want to play Tetris on the side of the house next year. I wasn't around last year to actually set it up, so this system's been sitting in my attic all for two years without me touching it. I pulled it back out this year, so still ironing kinks out that I forgot about. You do do realize it's almost getting too late. (laughs) Yeah, it is way past too late. (laughs) But, I I mean, like, right now they're all off because it rained, and uh, I know I've got a short and one of my lines somewhere out there because I was actually I'm actually building the extension cords. I got buying a what is that garden lighting wire and I'm splicing on connectors for both sides so I can just plug it in uh, normally. But I I guess I didn't seal everything up correctly. When it rains or gets a little bit humid outside, everything turns off. Well, you don't want to be that guy that in 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 March you're still flashing light in your neighbor's windows in the middle of the night. Have a well, rave in your front yard. The wife actually gave me permission to set it up in the backyard, so I might be that guy. <laughs> How many strobe lights do you have? I don't have any strobe lights. Um, I'm just using regular strings, and I just got all the strings hooked up to relays. And uh, But my, my issue is, like, I know how to do all the hardware. don't know how to do all the synchronized programming, so I just find stuff online and throw it in there and cross my fingers that everyone's happy with it but i actually need to get that i got this thing i call a mega tree it's a uh, 22 strings that connect to a two by four 13 feet uh, the two by four is 13 feet tall and the strings are go from the top down and it kind of looks like a christmas tree at night each string is individually controlled and i'd like to try and do like a spiral around it and stuff like that but the way i got it now it just everything's just kind of random still think you need to do the tetris well one of my buddies gave me some of those pixel strips from adafruit he says you need to try these so i don't know that might be coming see you're giving me all kinds of ideas for next year i could hook up the motion sensor so it only comes on when people drive by and then blinds them with strobe lights exactly Put a million, couple million candle spotlights out there and point it at, up and down the road. Well, I was really kind of worried about that at the beginning because uh, they, they were these relays. The guy, the program I stole or borrowed, uh, the guy had it set for 10 milliseconds and it was just way too fast. And I was worried someone might actually drive off the road because <laughs> I live along a highway and it's like 55 out there. So, yep, definitely need the million candle uh, spotlights. Well, what I need to do is set up the lights so they come on, and then there looks like there's the outline of a giant Krampus out there in front of the tree. <laughs> that would be great. Krampus knocked. Well, the farmer's wife that lives across the street, she, she sent her husband over to ask me, or talk to me about it, like, 
because they were worried that the cows were getting upset about the all the flashing. But I said, nah, them cows don't care. Yeah, I wouldn't think it'd have an effect. Sour the meat or something? I don't think so. <laughs> well, I mean, if you go out there and the cows are all just staring at lights, then then you know. Well, next year I'll just feed them on the other side of the hill and they won't even be around there. I know, I should have like space invaders coming down from the top of the tree. Japanese dude, I know, apparently for New Year's decided he'd just do sushi and lobster. Well, my mom was from the South, and she always insisted on fried chicken and black-eyed peas. That sounds about right. Even uh, got where I like the black-eyed peas. You stir in a little hot sauce or something, give them some taste. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure I'll ever be a fan of black-eyed peas. Yeah, Dad had these uh, friends. Well, they're, you know, they were uh, son and grandson, I guess, of... Uh, of one of the guys he served with uh, in the Air Force. And they'd always want to come out um, uh, pheasant hunting in the fall, since I guess we got better pheasant hunting than they do down south here. But uh, So they'd always come by, but, man, it, they put hot, they put Tabasco on everything. I mean, if you served them a bowl of ice cream, they'd want Tabasco sauce for it. Hey, Underrunner, you ever go take cow tipping? That doesn't exist. I know. No, I've never done that. <laughs> I leave these steers alone across here. They're pretty mean looking. Yeah. Out west, they just run all over the woods out there and throw stuff at them to get them out of the road out there. And my stepmom was from out in Oklahoma, and she's telling me about this bull that she saw walk through a cactus patch, walked right through it, this junk dragging through the cactus, didn't even phase it. Nope. Well, I got a little bull... Now that we just got last year, and uh, you know he's not really full grown yet, uh, but he got out in the neighbor's pasture across the road here a couple of months ago, and I tried. You know he was in the the pen next to the pen next to the pen. You know he's like, you know, three miles away from where he should have been, and there wasn't gates, you know, in between uh, the one part, so. I had to jump the fence and I was trying to walk him back and, you know, he, you know, for the first hour he put up with it, but when he started getting tired, you know, he, he started, uh, he turned around and started pawing the dirt and I said, okay, this, this is my cue to get my ass back on the other side of the fence. At that point, it's time for some fresh steak. Well, at least some help. Steak, help, it's all the same. No, I was talking about hot sauce, Tom Lord's, uh, from uh, Sunday Morning Linux Review, he posted the other day on uh, Facebook, you know, uh, him eating some uh, ghost pepper sauce that he'd found on chips. And, you know, uh, talking about how good it was. You know, I said, man, I got a party with you next time I'm uh, back in Detroit. I said, I won't be able to feel my face for three days. A friend of mine used to get this hot sauce that was, you know, they advertised it as the hottest hot sauce in the world, and it was pretty tasty. Put about a drop in a giant tub of sour cream. That was the hottest daggone sour cream I've ever had. <laughs> well, back in college, it was somebody's birthday, and in the middle of the week, so we all took it as an excuse to go out to the bar. Uh, no, no shocker there. And somebody got the bright idea of start start ordering prairie fires. And what a prairie fire is, it's a shot of tequila with 
like three drops Tabasco in there. And, you know, there's no redeeming factor. It's just that once somebody starts ordering them, then everybody to be a man has to, you know, no nobody can say, no, I'll have a daiquiri. You know, so the rest of the night, here we are drinking prairie fires for two hours. I bet that felt good the next day. I think I slept through the next day. See, that's the dang part of getting old. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I can understand. I, I like spicy food, and then I know the next day I'm probably going to pay for it. But, you know, then there's times like, you know, it's like, son of a bitch. What? You know, I didn't eat anything yesterday that was hot. I'm thinking I'm getting old because I get hangovers now, and I used to not do it or get any. I used to be able to sit there and put away a fifth of the rum and be chipper and dandy the next day. I remember my first year of college, I always got the skins terrible bad. You guys are making me sick right now. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back bad memories, I'm sure. That and the first couple di- times I had, you know, had a bunch of beer and somebody said, here's a shot of whiskey. And there, you know, finally oh. I got one I didn't Yeah. Takes a couple times to get used to it. that first couple times. You just wish somebody'd shoot you. You know how, like the last time, you say eh, that's the last time, and I'm not going to do that again. I've said that a lot of times. I was sitting out here in the shop, and I was looking out the window, and I seen this headlamp going by, and I, I knew a neighbor was walking out to check their mail, and I ran out there. And said, hey, what's going on? Scared the hell out of him. Anyway, they, he brought me back to start drinking with him, and it was all this. That American uh, water beer. Oh, I swore that stuff off a long time ago. And, you know, you just sometimes you slip up and you can't keep with it. Well, see, I went to uh, a fraternity reunion, oh, a couple months ago, and they had a tub of beer. And they, you know, they had uh, Shock Top, I think it was, yeah. So, no, no, no. Uh, uh, Bo- they had a Boulevard brand. Bud Light and Coors. Ouch. So I, yeah. So I start. I started out with with Boulevard, and then uh, you know they ran out of that. I drank the Bud Light, and then finally got down to you're going to make me drink Coors, aren't you? Yep. And see, I was the last one in line too. So the last Coors I had was the display bottle that was out on top of the table that just stuck back in the ice, so it was warm. If we're dropping brand names, I try and stay around the Yinglings and the Fat Tires. He was drinking uh, Bud Budweiser out of aluminum can or aluminum bottles. That just wrecked me. You haven't lived until you've had a forty behind a Seven Eleven. Well, I shouldn't talk because I'm, I'm drinking Steel Reserve right now. Oh my! <laughs> well, it's, I, I like a multi beer, and surprisingly, you know, even though this is a lager, um. You know, uh, it's cheap as hell. It, it uh, you know, it's eight point, and there, there's a lot of more expensive beers I don't like as well. I have to say. Well, I'm glad I found these Yinglings, and I kind of fell in love with them because they're like nine, nine ninety nine, ten bucks for the twelve pack bottles. I mean, it sucks carrying bottles around, but it's pretty good stuff, and it's a lot cheaper than Fat Tire. Uh, that stuff will be like. 14 on sale, 17 normal. Uh, yeah, I like Fat Tire, but uh, that same brand was, it, yeah, New Belgium. Uh, if you like that, I, I would try, was it the 1775 and the Abbey? 
Yeah, I, I've had the 1775, but I haven't seen the Abbey. Unfortunately, my favorite beer is a bit expensive, because you have to fly to Prague to get it. The beer itself is cheap, but the trip to the beer store is a bit expensive. Actually, in fact, it's literally cheaper than water. Well, at least it isn't like your uh, quadruple ice-brewed beer or whatever it is. It's that, you know, all, all they do is keep freezing it to raise, to raise the alcohol content. Oh, no, it's definitely not that. And the reason why it's not available over here is they don't put any kinds of preservatives in it. So, But if you were to ship it here, unless you did it like first-class Aramel, you know, normal shipping channels, it just wouldn't keep well, yeah, that's like if you go to a brew pub and you buy a growler, you know, to take home. Uh, all the good stuff is, just, you know, no, that won't keep till you get home. You know, both the brew pubs in Wichita, they just have all this to die for barley wine, but you can't, uh, you know, they won't, they won't let you put in a growler. So uh, bring home something. You know, they've got some really good stuff that I bring home. Uh, and I thought, you know, I, I, I was walking around trying to find everybody the first day of uh, Thursday of OLF, see where everybody had gone. And so finally, I just, you know, followed my nose and found uh, Barley's and thought I'd really discovered something until I found out everybody knew where Barley's was. And it was the, uh, you know, the essentially the favorite uh, brew pub of OLF. Yeah, it's pretty much the place. So I go in there and say, well, it's well because so early in the fall. It says uh, your your name of the place is Barley's, and you don't have, you don't have a barley wine on tap. And he says, "Well, you got to wait about five weeks. wasn't cold enough yet." Yeah, that's Barley's. Uh, actually, I have a former coworker actually worked with me at Red Hat that's from Toledo. I'll just see if he can get me some Barley's. And, uh, you know, all the food too. You know the uh, the fried. Uh, <laughs> uh, sauerkraut balls. Man. We're going to have to try to get to OLF this coming year. Are uh, you going to try to go? Well, I was this last year, so I don't, you know, my my goal would been to, you know, hit different ones. So, you know, uh, if Lord D makes it to uh, Penguicon, I may redo Penguicon again. Uh, though, really, if I want to hit one in the fall, I think... OLF's, OLF's pretty much the only game in town. Though, I mean, you know, a couple other people uh, invited me. So, well, why don't you come to ours? I think there was a North Dakota Linux Fest uh, either a month earlier or a couple weeks later or whatever. So, you know, like, like I said, it would be it, it now that I'm in a position where I can travel a little bit, it's going to be my goal to, you know, try to hit different ones. I really want to hit Northwest linux fest because the brewing and the science building and all that 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 they have uh available it's supposed to be such a great uh tour and man i'm i'm hoping jonathan sometime maybe if the if there be a northeast linux fest again doesn't look so much like it i mean if there you know uh and if if there was any chance of there being an Indiana Linux Fest game, that'd be great, but uh, you know, there's a few of them that are just right out like self. I'll never be able to get to that. Uh, some of them, like scale, I think that's fairly expensive to get into. So, but, you know, there's there's others. I'd probably like to go down to Texas sometime, check that one out. 
Texas Linux Fest is only is generally the week for self. Yeah, I think that was enough earlier this year. I could have made it to it. Uh, there's also Fawcett Con, which is a fairly new one in Florida. Their first one was last year, and they did their second one this year. Well, cool. Maybe I could uh, go to Disney World or meet up with Rich or something. Oh, uh, yeah, it's actually in Orlando, so you can hit up all the theme parks. Oh, man, I've been wanting to do that. I may, I just may have to plan that some year. Of course, the theme parks are not particularly cheap. No, uh, when I went uh, there put to the first one, I didn't do the theme parks. First, my, uh, my adding fanciness to the trip was I took the train down from Raleigh and back. Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds like fun. Uh, yeah, probably even before I would go to Disney World, there's stuff I'd like to see in Disney World. <laughs> I'm more of interested in the dark rides and stuff. Uh, I, you know, I'd like to go to the uh, Harry Potter Potter rides, but you know, the part I would like about the Harry Potter stuff is the whole queue where you have the paintings talking to you in the different rooms as you walk in. Because I've seen the, I've seen the ride through, and it seems to me like the uh, ride, at least you know, where you're flying into Hogwarts. That's you know. After all the previous stuff, that seems kind of lame. You know, you're on a thing, you know, on a broomstick or whatever, supposedly, and saying, yes, come with us and and uh, come to Hogwarts. And then you get to Hogwarts, and it's and they're like, yeah, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. I did go there. It was just absolutely packed with people and kids. That, that area gets a lot of uh, attention, people that love Harry Potter. And you could do it, but people would die. I would love if they put the deal on there. If you get to Hogwarts, then you, then uh, what you do is you get on the moving stairways that swing around one place and another. But you know they can't do that without killing somebody. Now, I like the cheaper side of stuff. Like, that stuff was all expensive. But down next to City Hall in Orlando, there's a place called Lake Eola, E-O-L-A, and it was built. I can't remember when, when Walt Disney was still alive and he funded this park and it's the city park around a lake and they got all sorts of plant, you know, interesting plants all around it and uh, all sorts of swans, and ducks and stuff, like all the exotic type of stuff. And it's just, it's just a really cool public park that you can go to uh, right next in downtown. And, uh, they had like a dome out in the lake, out in the um, lake, I guess you could call it, and it changes colors. It's a fountain, kind of like that thing you see on Married with Children, and uh, there's speakers all over, uh, all over the place. So it's like this consistent music as you're just walking around this lake. Well, see, I follow these guys that do theme parks and sometimes abandoned places and stuff on youtube and movie locations mainly disney stuff and uh, what got me started on that was when we did in the uh, book club uh down and out in the in the uh, uh magic kingdom i'd been to both disney parks but i you know uh, i knew when i went to disneyland that the haunted mansion was closed but i couldn't remember anything about going through haunted mansion and disney world even though i'd, I'd been in there so I started going through, you know, looking at ride videos, and I, I looked at that, and uh, and it came back, you know, pretty much came back to me, uh, m- most of it. So I said, okay, I've been there. But, you know, that led me to, 
you know, uh, some of these videos, people doing Disney history and all that kind of thing. So that kind of got me into it. But And I forget where I was. Oh, I know what it is. That they're, you know, doing a big conversion the next three years in Disneyland, uh, put putting in uh, Star Wars World or whatever. And I was like, yeah, you, you give me a ride where I can, you know, actually get in the turbo laser from the Millennium Falcon, you know, if the hydraulics and you go up and down and around and all that stuff. I'll get on a plane tomorrow. You get you, you give me that. But uh, short of that, we'll have to take it under consideration. You know, the company that I have that does my uh, my brass etching for me did a lot of work for the Harry Potter movies. Like, they did the wings on the snitch and just various odds and ends like that. Uh, the inlaid firebolt, they did that. Yeah, I was thinking when you said that, there was a lot of brass work in various places in the, in those movies. Another company, I, I didn't find this out until I was just poking around their website one day and they're like, hey, we did the Harry Potter movies. Well, all the uh, practical effects for uh, Apollo 13 were were done you know, within 60 miles of me on the campus of a junior college. It happens to have a very extensive uh, aerospace museum. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, all the weightless stuff, that was, you know, that was actually done in a 707. And, you know, they, you know, when the vomit comet where they would go, you know, go up and then dive and have uh, a few seconds of virtual weightlessness. And that's how, you know, that's how they did the whole movie is they built you know, the the set of the capsule inside the airplane. And so, like I said, that's uh, that was all done uh, pretty close to me. What kind of etchings did you get done? I'm kind of interested in that type of type of thing. I've had a couple gift ideas for my wife uh, that I've been thinking about doing, like thought about doing like a, a stainless steel etching uh, with a battery charger here in the, in the shop, but actually getting it so it could work uh i haven't got that far yet well i do a lot of etchings for my i do model trains and so i use a lot of etched parts for them and i used to do cad for a living so it seems to be a natural fit i draw them up and send them off and a few weeks later i get a might get the etching back and as far as software i use i use open scad and blender yeah i took cad back in high school and I used to be able to work it when the teacher used to stand behind me and tell me what to do. But open scad, blender, all that stuff, I can't, I don't have a clue anymore. <laughs> I was just trying to take photographs and get them down far enough uh, to be able to etch, like, faces and have them recognizable on there. But, I mean, that's, that's a lot of detailed uh, omission of information on the, on the uh, image to be able to get it down far enough so you can actually do something because I, like I was thinking about uh, having it cut on uh, vinyl and then doing the sticking the vinyl on there so then it would etch everything else off of there. Well, that may or may not work. Um, is the the acids that are used for etching are pretty powerful. Well, I played around with just using baking soda and a battery charger. I don't know. It looked okay. I mean, for large things. Uh, but I don't know if it would be good for anything quite that detailed. Well, the company I use is PPD Limited. Um, and what you might could do is take your photograph and open it up in GIMP and just play around in GIMP and delete a bunch of stuff, you know, 
just turn into a set of black and white lines. And if you send that to them, they can etch that. Yeah, that, that's what I've been trying was trying to do, but I, I don't know. It, it's very I get distracted trying trying to turn it into black and white lines. It's just a lot of well, it's a pictures of our dogs. I was thinking about doing on there, and you know, dogs are <laughs> just black lines, anyways. I tried looking at someone that did laser cutting because I thought it might be a little bit e- easier on me to supply the image. And that'd be about the same. Actually, it would be with a laser cutter. You need a raster image. Not, I'm sorry, not raster, but uh. A vector image, a raster image won't work with laser cutter. But, but how sensitive is it, the, the vector? Like, if you just take a regular image and make it black and white and do all that stuff, pull it all out, and then turn it into a vector, I, I know it's got a lot of extra information in the image, but I don't uh, know, can they use that? You can't really go from raster to vector. You can go from vector to raster. That's but, what I'm thinking. Uh, a vector image... Or a raster image doesn't have actually enough of the right information to do a vector image. A vector image is basically you have exact coordinates for all your lines and every point in space. Yeah, PPD Limited, that's like really cool. I'm looking at their military stuff and they got, looks like that, I'm looking at their ship down there and they got all those masts and lines all cut out of brass. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's the place. So earlier I said I've I got a lot of shorts and those extension cords I've been building. I actually been thinking of the squirrels. I've had so many squirrel problems this year with them chewing up all my Christmas lights. I've had to rebuild a couple of lines. They're actually taking they're they're not just chewing them in half. They're actually taking sections of wire out, entire like three inch, four inch sections of wire, and I don't know what they're doing with it or why they're taking it, but they've been just chewing it up. And I'm wondering if they've been chewing up my extension cords because I got them running through up through the trees and stuff. Oh, well, that sounds like squirrels, all right. Well, one of my old grain trucks uh, two summers ago, uh, you know, I oh, I didn't catch it when I opened the hood. Started up and all of a sudden started shooting water out, and the rats had eaten through the heater hose. Did they like the antifreeze? I don't know. I didn't ask them. No, I mean there there was a hole. You know, you'd stick a quarter through. That's a good one. In that thing. So apparently, Sony used a rather special screw on the hard drive holders in their PS4s, and it, it has looks like a the it has the four uh, PS4 controller buttons etched into it. You know, like the circle, the square, triangle, and plus. That's something made so you could you can't unscrew it. Oh, it has a regular Phillips center. Okay, so I'm trying to configure. Uh, open WRT on my Raspberry or uh, my Banana Pi router. So I've got my one of my Raspberry Pi twos plugged into it as a client. So it's getting its IP from the uh, Banana Pi router. So I should be able to use a browser and log into the router. Is it working? I'm getting there. I just launched the browser. I don't see any reason it shouldn't. Well, I'm at the. Uh, Login page of the Banana Pie. Well, I have to do a little more research on uh, what the uh, password is. I was pretty sure I'd seen it was supposed to be username root and password root. I tried username root and password blank and password password. So it must be something else. Is it time? Yep, we're coming up on the West Coast. 
You want to do the honor, sir? All right. Uh, it is now midnight uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, greetings and Happy New Year's to regions of the USA, some regions of Canada, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Las Vegas, and Seattle. The end of Phoenix, Oregon. Okay, I'll accept that answer. So it's Cairo, Kansas, not Cairo. Yeah, uh, well, the way it is Cairo, Illinois, but you see that the way these were named, you know, those locations were named, it's just randomly they go along with the railroad and say, yeah, we'll have a switch here, you know, and and a siding here. And you got to remember, this was the 1930s or, you know, early 30s. And these were people, you know, uh, before much radio, before, you know, before TV, definitely. And the way I'm assuming it, uh, they meant uh, Cairo, like Cairo, Egypt, but they'd never seen it, you know, they'd they'd never heard the word pronounced. Could be, you know, they meant Cairo, like Cairo, uh, Cairo, Illinois. But that's that's just how these places got named before there was ever anything there. The railroad came along and said, yeah, here would be a good place to put a siding. And about uh, four miles to the uh, uh, further west, there, you know, the next the next place was called uh, Waldeck. And there used to be a family there prominent called Waldock. So somebody just screwed that one up somehow. But the, you know that's that's how these places got their names. There used to be a place to the uh, east of here, not too far, called Skellyville, and it was you know it was named that because it was a center of a huge natural gas field back in the forties. And of course, you know everybody, you, there's nothing there anymore. But there used to there used to be kind of like a little shanty town or or company town, I should rather say. And, you know, and of course, everybody worked for Skelly. I don't want to contradict you. And that's true for everywhere up there. But I'm over here in South Carolina nowadays. And the old timer I was talking to down here, he said that all the town names along here are named after families. And the way that they did it was wealthy families that were paying for part of this railroad. They said, well, we're going to need to stop every so often. And so they threw all the family names into the hat, and they drew them out. All right, stop number one is going to be this place, and this place, and this place, and so on and so on. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm certain there was more than one way to choose. Can't imagine there was ever a family around here named Cairo or Cairo. What part of South Carolina are you in? The Charleston region. The low country. I'm originally from Beaufort, North Carolina. Beaufort. They don't call that Beaufort elsewhere? It's Beaufort. And since Beaufort came first, I think we get the rights to the name. <laughs> All right. I, everything down here, I know you got to, if you uh, if you don't know the local language, people kind of look at you uh, cross-eyed like they know you're not from here. Because just like he's talking about Cairo, Cairo, there's that type of stuff going on down here too. Hey, if you... If you go up to Fayetteville, North Carolina, there's a part of town called Skybo, and you can tell all the Yankees because they say Skibo. No, I, well, I, I hear the only, I'm sorry, the only time you hear Cairo on the uh, news is if there's a thunderstorm or tornado heading towards us, and there was a big one coming down uh, several years ago. In fact, did did a lot of damage, killed some people, but. Uh, 
you know, you had the old weather man, older weather man, and the apprentice weather man on the on the uh, TV, and there were just tornadoes everywhere across this part of the state that night. But that old weather man, he knew to make. He, he told that that younger guy, "No, you make sh- uh, you make sure you say Cairo because those people will lose their roofs tonight, and they will be up here tearing us a new asshole in the morning if you if you say it wrong." <laughs> There's a town and a street down here. Spell H U G E R. And I have been pronouncing it Huger, but that's how you stand out as not being a local because the locals call that Hugie. Wait, how they they say Hugie and not Huger? Then there's no R on it. It's huge E. There's for the locals there's no R. Even though it's spelt with an R, they don't pronounce the R. Yeah, you'll run into places like it all over names, and it's like, how did they get that from that spelling? Oh, hell, look at how Gloucester is spelled. Well, and in England and, and Wales and stuff, there you know, there are a lot of little towns with like 40-syllable names you, you would swear Monty Python made up. You know, it's like West Bend, Bali, Bing Bong, Ding Ding, you know, something like that. Now back back home in Oregon, we got a place called a road called we call Vilas, and if you're from anywhere else, you're gonna call it Villas. So we're one of the that's one of our our my things that I I do wrong. I'll say Vilas instead of Villas. And I realize I just represented I I just uh, offended all of Great Britain. So I'm sure that'll start a flame war on the uh, on, on the uh, site or toward towards me personally. Flame on. You might as well go ahead and just say Emacs is better than Vim. No, I ain't touching that one. Actually, here back in August, I made the switch from Vim to Emacs. And you survived to tell the tale? Oh, so Emacs comes with doctor mode, so you can can tell all your frustrations to the built-in psychoanalyst. Well, it is a standalone operating system all by itself. That comes with a psychoanalyst. No, actually, that would explain a lot. Yeah, my friend Ava was the one. I was so you know I made did my trip around the country back in August. Right. Well, uh, when I stayed in Chicago with my friend Ava, she's like, "Hey, so yeah, I'm using Emacs. You should really try it out." And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know." And she's like, "Come on!" And basically, peer pressured me into it. So I installed Emacs, and I've been using it since. I shall presently return. It is beer time. I got this Arduino hooked into this uh, Christmas light controller, but I'm only using this Arduino for like a month out of the year. So I got 11 other months that I could be using this Arduino, and I've been trying to think, what else could I be using this for? And I recently typed in Arduino space fireworks. And this looks really cool. It also sounds kind of interesting. Of course, anything that uh, involves fireworks sounds interesting to me. Well, I mentioned it to some of these mate guys around here, and they started giving me a bunch of hell about it. Like, no, you don't need to be doing that, because uh, I don't trust those Arduinos that much. Because <laughs> they could accidentally uh, start your show in the wrong order or something like that. <laughs> well, you just don't plug it in until you have everything set up and ready to go and everyone's out of the way and also hook up some leds and to the outputs and watch them blink and make sure that they blink in the right order 
I guess we're kind of spoiled out here because we do have access to fireworks any day of the any day of the year we like, don't we? Yeah, y'all South Carolina boys got it easy. We got to smuggle it over the state line. Oh, really? What? JR's? There, I think it was near JR's. There's a fireworks stand up there in North Carolina. That's where we always get the best ones at, the best mortars at least. Oh, I mean, the bottle rockets are banned up here. By the way, strapping a bunch of mortars and Roman candles to the sides of a Volvo and lighting them off and going driving down the road is a sure way to attract the cops. I, like I said earlier, we're along the side of this highway. I, mean, I think there's been a, once or twice me and the neighbor might have uh, accidentally tipped over a mortar on its side or right at, at the right time. No, no, I mean actually attached to the car driving along, fire shooting off out of the sides of the car. Driving or parked? <laughs> driving down the highway. Yeah, the cop pulled us over as we just let off lit off another round. And so we're sitting there with the cop behind us, and things are just going because, you know, you can't stop them. No wonder you didn't get yourself shot. You would have these days. Hell, yeah, probably. Cop was probably laughing too damn hard to aim. (laughs) Well, we only got a warning. Definitely a gentleman with a sense of humor then. Uh, He was a Carter County Sheriff's deputy, so, you know, and he... Might or might not have known us already. Well, I remember when this was going on. I was, I could have been more five or six. Uh, see, used to be, you guys talked about cow tipping. Uh, one of the pranks that people used to do for uh, 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 Halloween back in the old days was to tip over people's outhouses. And uh, so... Um, you know that uh, my dad and his friends got the idea to uh, I, okay, so look, yeah, put get an outhouse and put it in the front lawn of the uh, local druggist and tip it over. Who's also another one of their friends, and so I, I remember them doing this. They got one, you know the, uh, of course, you know, well, see, we had a bunch of outhouses because when there was an air base here during World War Two. Uh, my grandfather had a bunch of these little tiny houses that were built all around the property and, you know, for the construction workers. And then they'd actually live in them in eight hour shifts. So it was kind of like a little shanty thing. I guess my grandfather was a, the, the, today you'd call him a slumlord. Uh, but each of these places had an outhouse. And so growing up, you know, at that age, there were still four or five outhouses, uh, left on the property. And they took the best one of them, and they painted it up, and they tied it up in the back of my dad's old Jeep pickup, and off to town he goes, you know, with the uh, uh, bank president and accountant, I think, or whatever, but one of them was definitely the bank president, and they said they were going down the road with this outhouse in the back of the truck, and here comes sheriff's car up behind them, and the sheriff's car pulls up alongside them. And of course, he looks over there, and there's there's the bank president and other pillars of the community in the cab of that old jeep truck, and he just he just put the throttle down, got the hell out of there because he didn't want to, he, he knew he didn't have want to have nothing to do with, with whatever was going on. So what happened to the outhouse? Well, like I said, they took they took it to the uh, druggist front lawn, uh, you know, and tipped it over, and that was the joke. <laughs> so kind of a similar story. 
I used to wire houses back when I was in high school. And I was in New Bern working at a job one day. And I'm sitting there on the front step of the house eating my lunch. And a cement truck comes up to pour another driveway in the subdivision there. And, well, someone had parked the Porter John right in the middle of where the driveway was going to go. So the cement truck driver got out, kicked it a couple times, I guess to make sure no one was in it, got back in the cement truck, and just removed it. And it smelled rather nice for the next few days in that particular cul-de-sac. I swear I, I thought you you were going to say he just uh, left it there in the center of the driveway and cemented it in. I'm sure he considered it, but he probably would have been called back. Man, y'all are better than me. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be, be able to keep up with y'all here. Well, I've already done uh, better than I figured I would. I'll probably hang till the next hour point and, like I said, probably leave it running and call it a night. Yeah, I'm heading that direction myself. If any, if anybody is in, in the Pacific and wants to get up and, uh, you know, join the show, they're more than welcome. I'll leave it on speaker. So even, you know, if, 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 if they think they need me to join in, they, they could just shout real loud and it'll wake me up. I'm sure. I'll play my flute for you. Now, somebody's probably li- listening on the stream and they're thinking, oh yeah, we'll get 50 in about an hour. Peg will come on and play his damn didgeridoo or some shit. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. You know, speaking of Pegwall, I haven't heard anything out of him or 330 in a while. Well, for a long time, and I think still, 330 didn't have very good uh, internet connection where he was. Which actually probably means 330's neighbors didn't have a very good internet connection. <laughs> yeah. And Pegwall, amazingly enough, seems to have a social life these days. So, you know, we we never know when he's going to show up on uh, KPO. Wait, Peggy? Social life? That's the story. I don't believe it. Yeah, tell him, by golly, you want pictures. <laughs> Pics or it didn't happen. And again, uh, for a bunch of people who object- objected so hard, to the best of my knowledge, other than Lord D., Nobody from Tilts ever showed up today. Maybe they were on the uh, stream enjoying what was going on, but, uh, gee, I kind of expected them to drop in sometime. Disappointed! I guess next year if I go on, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to do the show. And, they, you know, they start saying, what do you mean there's no going to be no HPR show? And I say, well, where the hell were you guys last year? Getting really drunk? That's a possibility. Of course, Joel has, you know, I can see why he's not around. But everybody else made such a big, big stink about there being no show. Uh, guys, you know, you you know where we are. I guess you can always come on uh, Linux Lugcast or KPO some night to interact with your buddies over here. But this is this is the one on time. Everything. We're kind of behind on everything. I heard about it through tilts, and I was kind of shocked. Well, I saw it on Facebook, so I knew about it. You know, b- uh, about as soon as anybody else. I missed something here. What? Oh, I guess you don't know. Uh, again, uh, uh, from everybody at HPR and all the listeners, condolences to uh, Joel McLaughlin's family. They've suffered a loss of uh, Joel's mother over the holidays. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I Okay, I knew about that. Yeah, dude, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's still, you know, still bears, bears saying we're all a big, you know, family here and, you know, 
in 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 this time you know we all all feel the loss uh, you know last last year when my dad passed you know i had a lot of support from everybody so uh and i, I i'm still thankful for that so uh, yeah any man anything we can do indeed and i can't say it too many times you know folks be safe this time of year. I'm about as safe as I could be because I'm not leaving the house tonight. Uh, but for everybody who's getting out and around and, you know, there's bad weather some places and other hazards other places. And probably if you're listening to me right now if you, and if you're in trouble, you're beyond, you know, it's, it's probably too late this time of night to be uh, handing out warnings. But uh, here's hoping that everybody had... A uh, really, really safe holiday. I don't want to wake up tomorrow to, you know, find out there there's been another loss or accident or anything like that. So this this is just my prayer that everybody in the community stays safe tonight. I can get behind that. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, it's miserable, even even if it's not even part of the community, if it's just in your face, it's you know you want everyone around you to just be safe. Right, and I mean. Let's let's face it. This this is being being on here and hanging out is probably about as safe a way to to uh, celebrate uh, uh, the holidays you could find. Well, I mean, there still is the possibility of alcohol intoxication or the computer exploding in your face and killing you or something like that. That is possible, and and. Uh, you know, I was a little surprised earlier earlier today that uh, you know I went to put on my suit. You guys probably you know probably heard that I had a service I had to go to earlier oh, yeah. today. Oh, yeah. A friend, the family, and you know, six months ago, or not even six months ago, four months ago, last time I had to wear the suit for a similar situation. It, you know, it's the one I bought a year ago, and it just fit perfectly. And today, you know, man, e- even my shoes were too tight. So that's putting me on a kind of warning. Maybe I'm do. That sounds like more water retention than actual real weight gain. So I think I better check back in with my uh, GP because he was worried about my blood pressure last time I was in there. So I, I'm getting to the age probably I'm going to have to start taking the damn pills. Yeah, best get a handle on that. That sort of thing can lead to. Oh, sorry. You know, I hate to get, you know, my, my parents were like, you know, both of them were like taking 20 pills a day, these big pill minders. And, you know, it's like, man, I hate to hate to look at my own mortality that I'm at that point. But <laughs> I, I guess I am. Make sure you unplug your soldering iron before you go to sleep. Well, I haven't been soldering anything today. I, everyone listening, make sure you unplug it before you go to sleep. That's, that's always good words of advice public service now then yeah no and if you put your wireless headset and your and your uh, media player in the microwave always unplug the microwave that's an old joke you know that one don't you uh, no well my first uh years ago when i still had fairly slow ethernet i had a uh, uh 2.4 gigahertz wireless headset so i could walk around but it would go off, you know, it quit, you know, every time I turned the microwave on, I'd lose the signal. And I don't know, I must have got one one of these nights when I had too much to drink and I was on KPO or whatever, 
I, you know, I woke up the next morning, couldn't find my headset anywhere until I opened the microwave. Oops. Microwave was toast, too. Oops. Yeah, so p- public safety announcement. Don't be doing that. I'm trying to think when it was the last, last similar thing I did. Actually, not much is coming to mind. Kind of hard to top that. Yeah, I mean. I melted my propane barrel heater air jet things. You're supposed to turn the fan on first. Public service announcement. Turn the fan on before you turn the heat on. Oops. Melted all the stickers off of it. <laughs> I once caught a priceless historical artifact on fire. Well, that's no good. Yeah, there's like 12 of these things left in the world, and one of those is actually a reproduction. You just got to convince them it happened in the war. Well, what it was is I used to do a lot of work at the North Carolina Maritime Museum. And we restored a World War II Higgins boat. And I'm in there with a cutting torch, you know, cutting off some old bolts that were pretty much just streaks of rust. And the wood, which had had diesel fuel and such, like, splashing on it for about 60 years, decided it wanted to go poof. And so all of a sudden, there was fire. Yeah, I remember you showing us pictures of the Higgins boat. I don't remember you telling us you set it on fire. Yeah, I kind of glossed over that part, didn't I? Well, that's okay. You wanted to replace all that wood with new anyway, didn't you? Uh, that particular section got replaced with new wood, yes. I had I had to look that up. That's a landing craft I'm looking at. Indeed. It's amazing some of those innovative designs they came up uh, for that type of hardware, and some of them, you know, uh, look you know heavily considered and then not used, and uh, others, you know. Uh, Maybe, uh, maybe not used to full potential and all that stuff, but it's just, you know, def- definitely, you know, a, a time when necessity was mother of invention, and they just came up with all kinds of wild ideas. Well, the Higgins, to me, is in some ways pretty daggone elegant in design. Just, of course, having a very close experience with one kind of helps with that. Now, when you restored it, were you able to make it seaworthy again? Uh, that wasn't the goal. I mean, we could have, but considering the, you know, the nature, the historical nature of the boat, we didn't. I mean, actually, oh, I, let me rephrase. Technically, we did make it seaworthy, but it's not going back in the water again, if that makes sense. Well, it does, because it's, you know, it's just going to start rusting again. Well, it's mostly wood, but yeah. I mean, the... The scenes are all between the boards are all caulked properly. Um, everything is sealed up. So you could drop it in the water and it would float. Now, did you get the power plant running again or is it just there for show? Um, actually, I believe the engine is in working condition. So when we got it, we got it without an engine. So we had to find a, the correct engine for it. And we found one, and I, like I said, I believe it's in working condition, but it's not the original engine. Now, the interesting thing is is that it actually has two, uh, two rudders. The main rudder behind the prop, and then a small rudder forward of the prop, so that when you're backing off this beach, you have a rudder in the prop wash, and so you have better steerage. Well, that makes sense, because they, you know, they, they used them multiple times, going back and forth, and you know, they 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 probably figured that out the first time they tried to back away from the beach. They didn't have a whole lot of steering. Oops, we need to do something because we're going to need some maneuverability if people shooting at us. 
One of the cool things about working on that project was we had World War II veterans coming out of the woodwork to, you know, come look at it. You know, guys that had actually driven them in World War II. Yeah, and probably poor guys who had to ride in it said, you know, I damn near drowned in one of these things. Yeah, we had a, quite a few of them, too. But if you're ever up in the Chicago area, it's now up there. You can go visit it at the First Division Museum in Katidi, Illinois. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Next, one of these days when I go up to Chicago, I'm going to go up there and just to go see it. Old salt, I'm a new salt, but I, I pre-commissioned a destroyer, so I kind of appreciate that, that type of stuff. Well, I think it's, you know, I've seen some stuff that was interesting. Uh, a, uh, I guess around in San Diego, again, one, one of these people that do the... Uh, uh, the Disney stuff, but they also do abandoned, interesting places or whatever. And this isn't abandoned, but it's no longer used. It's uh, essentially, uh, you know, a, a training vessel on dry land, uh, you know, about the size of a frigate uh, that, you know, that's essentially a building built in the shape of, of a frigate on dry land as a training vessel. And, you know, actually commissioned as a ship in the Navy. Uh, you know, and had, you know, they'd assign people, trainees to it for a number of months. And then I kind of followed that. And apparently, you know, before World War One, there was a wooden battleship built in like the middle of New York City. Uh, again, the same thing. Pe- you know, pe- people assigned to it as if it was a regular ship. But this thing, you know, was huge, made out, made out of wood, but, you know, the, the completely the size of contemporary battleship. You know, speaking of battleships, I got to eat in the officer's mess of the battleship North Carolina once. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, probably all real silver and everything. Uh, not really, actually. I by World War II they weren't they weren't doing real silver and all that sort of thing for the officer's mess anymore. I it was basically like a very well protected school cafeteria. Hmm. I know when I've been to Fort Riley, I've I've seen their you know <coughs> set of silver and stuff. They don't you know that it's all packed away, but it's on display. You know, and of course that that stuff probably dates back way before the turn of the century. Yeah, the North Carolina was built in the closing days of the closing years of the Depression. Uh, you know, money was a bit tight. Well, I mean, the pre-Pearl uh, Harbor battleships were completely different design. Well, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Then the post, you know, the post-World War, you know, were cruiser hold. They were essentially, you know, oversized cruisers more than they were battleships, but they could go faster. But the, you know, the pre-war ones were essentially a big-ass barge that was intended to just, you know, not so much, I think, to... Uh, uh, bombard ships, but meant to park out there, you know, to soften up your landing before you invaded. Well, sort of a combination of the two. But after World War Two, you know, they realized that aircraft beat battleship any day, so they didn't really need battleships anymore. Right until the eighties, when we brought them back out of mothballs, and everybody felt great about it until we blew one up. No, that was a PR thing. They weren't really necessary. I mean, as cool as it was, it was really just, they just weren't necessary by that point. 
Well, it's cool to say you can throw a shell 15 miles, but when you can fire a missile 150, you know, it's it's no contest. Actually, a Missouri-class battleship can hit a target 40 miles away. Wow. That's um, that's impressive. With a Volkswagen. <laughs> but they use all kinds of fancy, you know, by the time the Missouri-class, which is the class that came after the, the um, I think it was, I guess, North Carolina's Wisconsin-class. I'm brain farting at the moment. But anyway, the last class of battleships built had all kinds of fancy gizmos, like radar-guided, you know, and just, they were radar, the firing was radar-guided, so they could actually track the shells by radar. So, yeah, sure, their first shell might be a little off-target, but, you know, their second shell would be right on. Well, like you said, it's it's impressive, but in a shooting war with somebody... Willing to use nukes, a uh, surface navy isn't going to last you very long. Um, I once saw somewhere that an estimate that in a full-blown shooting war with the Russians, a carrier battle group is expected to last some, something like 24 hours. Well, I guess they figure maybe that's long enough. But, uh, well, you you can see with this new ship design, this one that's all run by Linux and stuff, there's no... Really external play. I mean, that's the main thing is that the, uh, you know, in case of a nuclear war, they would, you know, they try to button up as much as possible. And really, there's there's no external place to go stand. There's no deck on these new ships. Well, part of that is the going to the stealth factor. But the thing about it is that thing is longer than um, many World War One era battleships. Like. I think it was something like 620 feet long, and there were a bunch of World War One era battleships that were just 580 feet long. So, I mean, it's... They're calling it a destroyer. It's definitely more of a cruiser. Yeah, at that size, you would think, and the firepower that it has. Definitely, with that hole, you're not, you're not going to have the uh, uh, weaknesses that we were talking about with, uh, you know, World War One, World War Two battleships. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't, you know, if you, if you did a parabolic arc with a shell or with a, with a missile, I don't think it would make much difference whether it was coming straight down or hitting it from the side. Well, yeah, it's got no armor whatsoever. You hit it with a missile or a, if a battleship were to get within shooting range of it, it would be toast. Oh, I didn't realize it wasn't armored. Yeah, they don't really armor ships anymore. They're, I mean, they're basically floating tin cans. Well, I guess they expect to make it up for speed with speed and maneuverability and the uh, uh, naval aviation to protect them. Mm, point defense systems. Now, they do have protection for underwater attacks because, you know, it's somewhat easier for a torpedo to get in than a missile. But anyway, gentlemen, I believe it is time for me to hit the hay. It's been a pleasure. I agree. It's time. Well, yeah, thanks, New Year, thanks. World. Happy New Year. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me till the end of the show. Didn't get to see Hawaii, but oh well. No problem. Looking forward to next year. Well, I reckon I'll run run the recording that long, but I I would be amazed if anybody else shows up at this point. Yeah. I'll I'll wait about 45 minutes to an hour until you get to sleep, and I'll play the flute for you or something. Why, thank you. You are quite welcome. Well, good night, 50. Good night, handsome pirate. 
Well, folks, I'm pretty much, I'm going to keep recording, but uh, as you've just heard, I'm pretty much calling it for uh, the 2015-2016 Hacker Public Radio New Year's show. I think it was very successful. It was turned out to be <laughs> a more intimate uh, podcast than, than uh, we've done previously. And, uh, but for the most part, we didn't have, after a slow start, we didn't have that much dead air during the day. So I'm really hoping, uh, you've enjoyed what we've done here and you're all, you're all invited back to, uh, uh, this bat time and this bat channel in 2016. Thank you. And I'm out. Yes. I did say this bat channel. It's Friday morning, 1017 Zulu. Happy New Year from the Netherlands. That's what Handsome Pirate knows. I haven't fallen asleep yet. Ha ha! Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, 5150. Oh, it's you, Ken. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Well, I, I was wondering uh, if you were going to show up for us uh, or not. Uh, well, I think everything's gone uh, very successfully if... Uh, We've had a more intimate show than we've had in previous years. Yeah, fair enough. No harm. I'm just going to leave it record till I go get up in the morning, I guess. Yep. I'll uh, I'll be here more or less pottering about all day, so if anyone pops in, I'll have a chat. Yep. How does that sound? Sounds great to me. All right. Have a good one. Talk to you later. All right. See you. Half an hour left of uh, 2015 on Baker's Island. It appears everyone has gone to sleep. Is there anybody out there? I'm here. Good morning. Good midday. Indeed, indeed. Where are you? I'm in Sweden. Where in Sweden? Up north. I just moved there. 750 kilometers. Swedish kilometers or real kilometers? That is real kilometers. So, seven and a half miles, if I recall. <laughs> yeah. So, name of the place? Örnsköldsvik. Glory be to God, how do you spell that? Uh, R. N S K I L D S V I K. I'll post it in chat. Super. That's pretty far up. So you have snow, I'm guessing. Yeah, a bit. Just a few centimeters. And mountains. Oh, yes. Much more. I'm used to the plains of uh, South Sweden. Coolio. Excellent. So, what chat? Were you on the show before? Yeah, I was uh, joining at around. Uh, yeah. Up. What was it, I think, 22.12 or something, my time. And then I had to quit. Okay. I had all the go family stuff on, so I didn't get back in. But I'm here now. Where did everyone else go, though? Uh, they they uh, went to bed, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was watching the world map and uh, the transitions from 2015 to 2016, and I just noticed it. it's been quite a while since that happened for them. There's only, what... Another 20 minutes left, and then everybody's in. Or it's 2016 for everybody, basically. So what's your plans for the year? Aside from doing a HPR show, obviously. <laughs> well, I don't know, really. I just got a new job, so I'm trying to figure out what it's about. What's your job called? Well, I'm a web developer. Nowadays. <laughs> I used to make uh, camshafts for Volvo, but uh, I just got, I got an offer to move and uh, start a new job as a programmer, so I did. Camshafts for Volvo to web development. Okay, that's a jump. 
Yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> it's been done before, though, but yeah. Cool. What type of web development have you experienced in web development, or is this like uh, you're learning HTML now? I've been uh, doing, well, different kinds of web development for at least, uh, I think it's 15 years or so. Started out class on Java, right. JavaScript, and uh, now I'm uh, on to Drupal. Ah, very good. I hate JavaScript. Really, really, really do. Not be- not because of JavaScript, but it's the way people take any of the current technologies and just ruin it. Yeah, yeah. Like this site requires Flash, or uh, or every single page that you go to, everything you type in, it does sends a search back typing in something and it's very slow because they insist on refreshing the page for every keyboard input. That's Ajax. Ajax. Yeah, that too. It's gotta be everywhere. It's the fashion. Yep, you don't do it right. Yeah, I, what I like about Drupal is that uh, almost everything works even without JavaScript. Yeah, so should it be? I'm actually primarily a JavaScript developer, though. I started PHP when I began uh, working with Drupal. Well, just a bit before. Went down the path of trying to build my own CMS and realized uh, I should probably not do that. Yeah, somebody should tell us, actually. (laughs) Oh, lordy. We've been thinking, Dave and I have been chatting about this. I think it was on the list as well about moving everything to Git, um, just as Markdown or... Um, as HTML pages on Git itself, and then just uh, that would allow anybody to edit them. That's pretty good, actually. Good for collaboration. Yeah, it means we don't need to do the uh, uh, permissions and all that stuff. So go to anhonesthost.com. Uh, was this uh, gitlab.anhonesthost.com? And then uh, most, well, some of the pages have been moved out, but still keep the PHP stuff in until I get a lot of it fixed. Well, localized to a certain few certain pages, localized to a few certain pages first, and then work from there. Yeah, there is something of a transition for an old site where they had static HTML pages and they needed to collaborate. They, they, those guys don't know anything about Git or any such thing, but they needed a CMS. So, well, I suggested Drupal, and they hooked it. Good for you. Yeah. I uh, my own site's on WordPress, so I am inclined to agree. Don't reinvent the wheel, as such. Yeah, especially if there are newbies. Whenever you have something that others should manage without you wanting to manage it, make sure it's a CMS. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll have to manage the CMS, but they can manage the content. Exactly. Now the question is: Should I start scanning now, or should I do Dave Morris's uh, install a Raspberry Pi? up to the scanner and scan from that do the thing or spend hours doing something to do the thing that is the question scanning yes scanning it's a thing apparently i don't know anything about it well here's the thing we have children and the children come home from school with artwork and the artwork went into boxes because didn't like throwing stuff away so now all the boxes need to be scanned and uh they scan it and then we can get rid of the artwork. It's actually quite nice because I've scanned quite a lot of stuff, all their pictures and paintings from when they were in like kindergarten and up, and you know put it on a digital photo frame so they have that in their rooms instead of um, boxes of art that they never actually look at. And then the special stuff they have, they can take it out and put it into a um, into a book, scrapbook. Thank you, wife. Wow, that's great. I wish I had done anything like that when I started school. 
if, if they had it. Yes, my father fixed all that for me by taking everything that I had produced and burning it, including, but not limited to, my five years of university study. No! Burned, yep, burned all my notes. Burned all my rare science fiction books that I had collected over years. All of them burned. All my novels, all my books, all of them. And I was only an hour and a half away. Uh, if you had rang me, I would have come and collected them. That's rough. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. I probably have a couple of boxes with stuff in it. Maybe I, I should scan them. Yeah, it's actually not not a bad thing to do. It's not. Uh, it's actually quite soothing after a while. Some of the stuff you can't scan. You know, you need to take a photo of it. And but fair enough. That's as well. I'll put it into a folder, and then I have a little script that uses image magic to convert it to yeah, eight hundred by six hundred, which is what the um, photo frames have. They can't downscale. They can, but it's incredibly slow. So if you if you do it with image magic, then you can uh, you can adjust the horizontal and vertical sizing as well, and center it and stuff like that for the landscape stuff. So I keep the I have to do so workflow is I scan it or take a photo of it, put it into a location, and then go through that with um, uh, Gwynidge view, Gwyn view under KDE to get the orientation and crop it a little bit and get the orientation right so it's pointing up. And then I run, I keep the original, I keep those originals and then uh, I reduce the size, put it on an SD card to get it down to, so like a 400 photos, down, 400 scans down to 17 megabytes. That's not bad. Then you actually want to look at the photos, Lance. No, they're, they're actually, the, the quality of the photos are a bit, you know, they're fine for this seven inch display thing. And if they want to look at them, then the originals on the NAS, so you can get to them via that. I think I'll have a look. Have to look into that. I think I have an old photo frame somewhere. Yeah, quite handy. I was going to uh, my my eldest has a has her own laptop, so she can put the originals on the screensavers if she wish if she wishes. And now I need to scan Christmas cards. Yay! Yay! That's one good thing about moving. A lot of people don't know your address, so you can don't get a lot of junk anymore. Yeah. I'm, the number of Christmas cards I got has decreased immensely. I never got a lot anyway. Actually, I don't think I got any this year. Uh, only my girlfriend. Has she moved as well? Yeah, she's from here orig- originally. Ah, ding. It all fits into place now. Yep. She always wanted to move back. And, well, now I got a chance to get a job here. and Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Ah, all right. So I'm looking at uh, wedding cards, actually, that we got for our wedding. Now, the thing about the problem here is I need to scan both sides and join them together. I'm going to script that. How to script that is a question. I think my girlfriend is on her way home because the dogs just went crazy. Uh huh. Yes. It doesn't look good for you, your future. You've moved up to your girlfriend's uh, place. You've got dogs very, very soon. Yeah, I can yeah. hear them. Well, I like it up here too. It's uh, a bit isolated compared to down there, but it's fun. Do you have fast internet speed? That is all that's important. Mm, it's decent. It's about, uh, uh, I think, 13, 15 megabits so far. Oh, fair enough. What's that, over DSL or cable? It is ADSL. Uh-huh. One and a half up, I think. Could be worse. Could be a lot worse. Yep. Uh, my, uh, well, almost in-laws um, have 100 megabits up and down, and they live like one and a half hour away from here, on the other side of town, out in nowhere. They got fiber. fiber. Oh, very nice, very nice. Yeah, we live too close to town to get fiber. It's always like that. They prioritize the countryside. 
Why is that? Uh, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Probably we because they don't have... Uh, ADSL won't get out that far. Yeah, ADSL, they had it, and then they went to mobile because the ADSL line... Well, the phone lines were so... Uh, crap. Yeah, exactly. And then they uh, they got the fiber when they... they hmm, I think they built a, like a windmill park or going to build a windmill park, so I think that's why they put the fiber mains just by nearby and uh, connected them too. Excellent. Very, very good. Hang on, I gotta unlock the door for her. No problem, no problem. I'm gonna be scanning. Good morning, gentlemen. Goodbye to 2015. I was wondering if anybody was still alive. Yeah, I'm here. I think Ken Fallon's here too. Yeah, just come back. Happy New Year's. Thank you, thank you, and same to yourself. Happy thank you. New Year, gentlemen. I got off around 2, 2.30. Just wondering if 150 was still alive. I sent him to bed an hour ago. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. Well, happy new year. I'll see y'all next year. You going to bed? Where are you uh, Where are you calling him from? I'm calling from Robbins Air Force Base, Warner Robbins, Georgia, oh, USA. Late, late there, I guess. Or early. It's early. It's 7.01 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I was on yesterday about a.m. In and out until about 2.30 a.m. this morning. My time. Okay, cool. Look forward to hearing it. Well, I'll see y'all later. It was good talking to everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. See you later. Well, that's it. It's 12.03 UTC. End of Happy New Year show, officially. I'll stay on listening. Hey, my first show. Do you have your own podcast? No. Your voice is familiar. Really? Yep. Well, you know, public radio, we always need shows. Well, maybe if I get a great idea, I'll make a show of it. Yeah, life up in Sweden. The, advent- <laughs> the adventures of Drupla. Sorry? Working with Drupal. Ah, yeah, maybe. There's a Swedish Drupal podcast uh, here, which is quite popular. Maybe I'll join there. It's actually one of the guys at work makes it. Absolutely do that, sure, for sure. But do, that'll, a, that'll, do an English that, version and put it on HBR. Yeah, they do that sometimes. It's mostly in Swedish, so how's my microphone, by the way? Yeah, sounds perfect to me, but I have very low standards. Oh, it's a cheap uh, headset. Yeah, works fine. I just got the weirdest Steam badge. From the game Steam, or from <laughs> some industrial punk Steam? It's, yeah, the the Steam platform, game platform. It's the Red Herring Steam badge. Holiday sale, 2015. Okay, fair enough. Posted a Reddit link in the chat about it. I wonder how the first person figured that out. No, I don't play games. Lost significant portion of my life to Lemmings some time ago. Oh, that's great. I used to play it on the Mega. Yeah, I thought I found a version uh, Linux clone, and then I thought, no, stop now, stop while you're ahead, go to the meetings. Meetings can wait, Lemmings, they die. Oh. If you don't help them. Well, sometimes they need to die to let you help them, but... Uh, uh. Exactly, exactly. I've actually been playing more games now that uh, Steam supports Linux. I thought you were going to say I've started playing more games now that I moved to the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> that may be true, too. I don't know yet. It's been only a bit, I think, two weeks, three weeks? Uh, two weeks, yeah. One of the first things I set up here was the Xbox. haven't played anything much, though. Just a little bit of Halo. Well, that's only because I just bought Halo 5. Back in a sec. Happy New Year, whoever's awake. Happy New Year. 
Uh, today is the day where you get all the emails about birthday greetings were in, from places you have not used your real birth date on. Sorry, what was that? I walked away a sec. I just say, uh, today is the day you get uh, lots of emails from places wishing you a happy birthday when you did not use your real birth date. Just use the default gender first. Sorry? Is it getting a lot of birthday messages then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've actually gotten less now since I started to put in my real birthday to just deactivate the emails. But at one point I got, like, spammed. I think you stepped out for a bit. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, it's been great. Well, not really. I left, and then I got back just an hour ago or so. I was going to stay on, but I got too tired. and much stuff to do. Could you raise your microphone a bit? I can barely hear you. Oh, okay, that explains it. Right, I'm stop recording, and uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, too. It's been great being on. 2D, you came back. Yes, I did. I'm not going to hang very long. I'm going to go back to bed. Ah, it's late over there. Or early, maybe. Well, it's early enough when I was up to about three. So, did anyone stick around for the full uh, episode? Well, I don't. I'd only originally planned to uh, stick around till about an uh, hour after uh, uh, New Year's Eve on the West Coast, which which we did easily. But uh, no, after that, I ever everybody sort of drifted off. Yeah, when I got back on, nobody was here. Well, I think Ken is sort of listening. I. Uh, Talk to him a little bit later in the, in the evening, but uh, no, I'm I'm still not caught up on my sleep. I'm going back to bed. Yeah, Kim was the first one to talk to me. He just left. I don't know what he was going to do, but he was talking about scanning his kids' photos maybe, and artwork, so maybe that's what he's doing. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of family stuff to do this weekend. Well, thanks for coming back in, but uh, I'm gonna I am gonna go back to sleep. You do that. Sounds like a great plan. It's a bit late for me to do that, but and my girlfriend's parents are coming over, so I should probably not do that now. Yeah, that would pro- that'd probably give them the wrong impression. They co- they come over and you're still passed out asleep the day after uh, New Year's. Well, they already got a decent impression of me, so I don't think it would hurt that much. All right, well we'll we'll catch you maybe in another year. Well, maybe I'll jump on some show or something this year. That'd be good. I'd like to see you there. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of your shows, actually. Oh, good. Thank you. So are you planning to keep them going this year? The shows, I mean. Well, uh, I don't think Linux Slugcast will be any problem. Uh, KPO, we'll see. Uh, Taj told me he'd be back (coughs) on uh, the next episode of KPO. He just had some personal stuff he had to attend to. Well, he was sick, I guess, last week, so... You know, and I, I recorded a show by myself, so it'll it'll get out sometime this weekend. So, you know, if I if at least half the time somebody shows up for KPO, we'll try to keep it going. Yeah, I've got a backlog. I've been having stuff to do this December, so I haven't had much time to listen to podcasts. Moving in all. What was the last episode you put out? Ah, uh, well, two weeks ago from la- you know from last week we had an episode. You know, we do we do KPO every two weeks, so there was one, I guess now it'd be three weeks ago. Let's see, was it number 125, the one in the can will be 126. And really, a lot of the guys on the show, well, I know a lot, but, you know, there are two or three guys on the show tonight who are, who are alumni of KPO. So I was trying to do a little bit of arm twisting to see get them back on 
some time. Yeah, I don't think I've listened to the last couple of ed- episodes. And yeah, I got him in my queue. Okay, great. Good to hear. The The last one was pretty good. The, la- the one before that was kind of a strange one. We had a guest and that was about all we had. Or no, no, that was that was the one before that. We did one on Halloween. You know, we did the one three weeks ago. Uh, yes. I started on the Halloween wrap one, but I haven't finished it yet. You know, I said the, the one before that, you know, it's it was pretty much stuff that if you've been listening to any podcast for the past, uh, you know, all fall, um, it was it was pretty more the same. It's just I'd, uh, you know, I I'd invited Chris on uh, that show, and that's when he that's when he eventually showed up. So we went ahead, we went ahead and did it, but it wasn't much different than stuff everybody had heard three or four times by that time. Yeah, there was quite a lot of that on every podcast I listened to. <laughs> well, fortunately, that seems to work out okay. Uh, you know, the FCC really, I think they were surprised about the response from the open source community. And just, you know, it, it looks like they uh, rolled back any any intention of even messing with routers and much much less general uh, general purpose computing, at least for now. Yeah, that sounds great. I don't like the idea of them locking everything down just because of that issue. I mean, yeah, I understand why they why they need need to try to do it, but you know, uh, they with a bunch of suits, they see stuff as black and white. You know, most of us are not going to do shenanigans with the router that are going to going to cause them problems. Uh, you know, they're like, well, if anybody can't. You know, if even one person can, we gotta lock them out. Well, uh, they kind of they kind of learned. Well, there's, you know, you got you gotta weigh the cost benefit on both sides. Yeah, I think it's a bit like the witch hunt on encryption. Everything's gotta be unencrypted because, well, there's an issue with this or that, but they don't consider the big picture. Right, and no, I think they weren't expecting the big pushback from that. You know, you. Um, you know, you, you still have all the. If you don't have anything, if you don't have anything to hide, you don't have to, have to worry. People out there, which is just a scary, scary attitude. Well, if the government does not have anything to hide, they could we unencrypt everything too. Right. We had that discussion earlier this evening that you know the, uh, you know the regular people they're not going to move towards encrypting themselves, but. You know, you 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 have various entities talking about, you know, putting in just by default putting in place in the encryption. So we'll have to see how that goes. I've been looking into it, but I actually just tried out uh, Let's Encrypt for like five domains just yesterday. It works great, simple enough, and it's uh, I think it's a good way to go because it's not just about encryption; it's about uh, verifiability. Right, and you know, I'd I'd like to uh, do a VPN VPN on uh, my home network, so that'll definitely be part of it when I set it up. Well, if I don't go back to bed now, I alarm will go off and I won't get any sleep. So I'll uh, I'll catch you around, two D. Yeah, likewise. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. 
Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.